and boom. Right, good. Aha, excellent. I want to do that. There we go. Oh, crikey, there are so many pages. Can you hear my mouse clicking away? Oh, it's quite something. There we are. Let's do that. But also, let's do highly professional, absolutely perfectly on time. Uh, can you hear me? <laughs> You've had 12 seconds of me streaming. Can you hear me? Uh, if not, then my battery might have run out of my lavalier mic and I might need to go and replace it, which is fine, which is fine. Uh, lovely. Marvellous. There's a no. Some people are saying no. Some people are saying yes. Excellent. I'll take that as a yes. You can hear me. Uh, <laughs> oh, hello. <laughs> let's just uh, let's rearrange that because I've got a feeling I'm going to slide further and further downwards as um, as the day progress as the evening progresses. Right. <sighs> oh, actually, that's reminded me of a thing. Uh, the, a news thing. Oh, we won't worry about that. Let's see what happens, shall we? Let, if I do this, uh, yes, and actually, I haven't updated the transport usage stats, have I? Hmm, that'll be a to-do. Anyway, right. <sighs> Sorry, that was a bit of a mad rush. I've been trying to get something done uh, and failing miserably. Um, hello. Oh, I didn't want that. I wanted to do this. Just me. I've not got a guest tonight. Hello, everyone. How are you all? Hello, Rail Natterers. I hope you are well. Um, yeah, the Discord has been blown up. I don't even know what that means, but it, it's happening. Uh, that's nice. Um, what else? If I just slide this way a little bit. Ah, oh, yes, there is some sort of plan. Network Rail have published a plan, but it, it's yet to be swallowed up. We'll get there, though. We will get there. Tonight is going to be a flick through of Network Rail's Traction Decarbonisation Network Strategy, which they published in an interim state uh, on the kind of quiet and lowdown in a, in a don't make it go big sort of uh, public way. Uh, thankfully, it has gone nice and big and public. Um, it's out there. The, the, the report is out there. Network Rail have published it. Uh, and we tonight are... Grief, this cup of tea is very, very grey. Tonight, we are going to flick through all 260 pages of the main PDF. Uh, a lot of the time, these massive... Hi, Gordon. Uh, a lot of the time, these massive reports come out, and, and they're quite intimidating. So I thought I'd let you... Essentially, we can flick through it through my eyes, and I'll sort of show you what I look for when I'm opening one of these reports. Um, and what I expect to see, and we'll look at the good bits, and we'll ignore the stuff that's just fluff, um, and we'll maybe focus in on things, and you can stop me and say, look at the next page, or uh, look at the previous page again, please, and we'll see how it goes. I'm going to try for this to be within an hour. Will we manage it? It's already five past seven, probably not. Let's flick on to the next slide. The news. People are angry that history exists. That's in the news. Lovely. Uh, more on that, I'm sure, later. Let's not dwell on it. But people are very angry that history is a thing. Uh, people are even more angry that uh, that people that, that, that history might be a thing that isn't very pleasant. But they seem to think that means we have to think about baddies and goodies, and history doesn't really work like that. It's a lot messier. Anyway, uh, also the latest transport user stats. Actually, I haven't looked at these, so let's flick through that and pretend uh, nothing's happened. I'll pu pu publish them and tweet about them tomorrow. 
Um, I just haven't had time today to look at them. But hopefully they've been updated and that should be quite interesting. On to the juicy stuff. The Traction Decarbonisation Network Strategy. Um, yes, first of all, while I'm here, let's have a look. While this is up, um, so hopefully some, hopefully everyone who's joined has seen this, has sort of seen this document, has sort of maybe vaguely flicked through it. Maybe you haven't, maybe that's what you're, you're waiting for this rail metaphor. Um, it's interesting that they choose an image of a freight train to put on the front. In fact, it kind of looks like a weird version of a 66 on the front. I don't know what it is really, but it's also got, it's got a pantograph, which is the important bit. Um, yes, so let's have a look at the just under 14 seconds a page uh, that's been pointed out. Good stuff. Okay, well, there we go. We're up to, off to a good start. Four pages a minute. There's a mixture of, yeah, something like that. Um, so for anyone, yeah, so there might be people in the chat who are thinking, great, finally a network rail sort of, uh, you know, an electrification strategy. But basically there's been one of these every decade since about 1910. Um, a report with a reasonable level of detailed assessment saying start a rolling program of electrification so that you can get the bulk of the railway running with electric trains. Um, and every decade there's a new version and they generally come up against this blocker that's called HM Treasury and then they don't go anywhere. Um, and indeed some of them might have involved a bit of electrification but generally the idea of an actual viable rolling program just has never happened. Is this going to be any different? Well, I'll wait and see. Uh, there is certainly more detail, and this report goes further than it ever has before. And I think the key thing is the focus on decarbonisation makes this something that cannot be avoided in a way that it was maybe a bit of a, oh, if you want, if you want capacity or if you want speed, then there are alternatives. You know, Roger Ford's bionic duckweed, for example. But this now really, it, I think it has, it really has used a lot more analysis and a lot more sharp wording than I'd have expected from a document of this type. Let's have a look at who's... So, as I said, at me into the... If you want me to see a question, at my name, because it comes up in red and it's nice and easy for me to see. Owen O'Neill, some of the wording in it is quite strong for this type of document and sticks the oar onto road uh, and the current not level playing field. Yes, that's very true, and we'll get to that. It's quite interesting. Uh, so glad Network Rail have some sort of long-term plan yet. Uh, people are asking if I've had a trim. Have I had a trim since the last video? I don't think so. I think I've had this trim for a while. Uh, it was my post-lockdown, or my kind of sort of lockdowns never really alleviated for us in this household. But anyway, I digress. Um, lovely. David Shepherd says he'll back a parliamentary petition to demand the government funds electrification of the railways. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, as much of that as we possibly can. But I'd say you're going to have more, you have more of an effect if you um, hammer at your... Uh, MP and make a real fuss to your MP because if, if you suggest that you're not going to vote for them if they don't back this, uh, they will they will back it. It's probably the thing that will have the biggest effect at the moment. Anyway, right. Uh, yes, let's see. So right, let's get let's get all cracking. So before before we actually look at the PDF, I, I've put a few slides in to just sort of put a bit of context to what the hell this is all about. So this slide here is an extract from the executive summary PDF, which I think I've also linked to. I did a thread last week. I've also linked to this. Um, and it kind of highlights the main point of doing electrification. Number one, emissions reduction. Number two, decarbonisation of service tra uh, surface transport. Number three, that you get passenger and end user benefits, um, you know, better reliability and resilience. Um, number four, you get specific rail benefits, direct benefits to rail. Um, so, uh, you know, this is electrified railways are much more cost effective than diesel ones because trains are lighter 
and because trains are actually easier to maintain, cheaper to maintain, uh, generally it's just a win. You can reduce track access charges, fuel costs, oh, it's a win. The obvious environmental benefits, you can introduce ultra low emission zones um, around the UK, so there's a strong focus on air quality, all these things, and then the wider economic benefits of infrastructure investment, of decarbonisation as an end state as well, um, you know, lots of, uh, an opportunity for lots of digital engineering roles, lots of modern high-tech engineering roles, it's really great stuff. So that's all positive. So, the, so they've break, break, broken down here into the case for change, the strategic objectives and the strategic benefits, which is a good way to look at it. Um, and then it, this, it really boils down to two. So these two slides here that are essentially the methodology for this whole report. Um, so one of them is uh, that you need to have a fully electrified railway if you want passenger trains that can run at uh, 100 miles an hour or more. There's, there's just no avoiding that. If you want to go 100 miles an hour or more, you need to have, you need to have full electrification. Freight is basically not really viable without full electrification either. So what are hydrogen and battery good for? Well, they're good for some of the edge cases. And then that's further refined where you've got, um, you know, if you've got up to 100 kilometers in length, then it's likely to favor battery. If you've got over 100 kilometers in length, it's likely to favor hydrogen. So if you've, so if you've got a railway that's un under 100 miles an hour, doesn't have much freight, then you can look at then threshold is whether it's above or below 100 kilometers an hour as to whether you choose hydrogen battery. So that's a pretty straightforward flow, to, flow diagram for deciding what sort of traction, uh, what kind of decarbonized traction you need. So that's essentially the logic. And there are a few edge cases where they look at more specific details, but most of the network is satisfied by that pretty simple flow chart. So it's, it's fairly, fairly kind of standard stuff, but um, that's that, you know, it's the first time they've really laid it out that bluntly. They've always skirted around the edges and said, oh, you know, alternative traction, ooh, no, no, this is very specific. Alternative traction, basically battery hydrogen, will only work where you don't have fast or frequent uh, or freight trains. Um, and then even then, there's the, the threshold is um, over 100 kilometers in length, you need to look at hydrogen, and even that can be problematic, much above 100 kilometers. So, so it's good stuff, it's good stuff. Um, and they have created the big map, trademark. So this is the ultimate output, but we have to look in more detail than just the overall map, particularly as some of those funny colors. So all the green stuff there is electrified, but actually some of the funny colors, so if we click in here, let's get the old black one out. So you can see some of the funny colors here, uh, some of these bits, uh, not all of these are not electrification. So people have gone, oh, why is that not this? And why is that not that? Actually, some of these uh, funny bits um, actually are full electrification as well. Um, some of them are edge cases where they aren't, but for the uh, for a lot of cases, and you'll notice some infill third rail stuff going on down here that'll be interesting. We'll, we'll get to that. Anyway, that's the big map, and that's kind of what we're going to be covering later, but that we'll go into the detail of that at the end of this, uh, of the big PDF, because it's at the end where all those maps, the breakdown of those maps and the justification for each of those. So as you can see, it breaks down into a um, into sort of these smaller sections, and we'll get to that at the end of the PDF. So we'll get there, we'll get there. Um, and that is what we're going to do. We're going to get the report up right now. It's going to happen. Uh, here it is, the first page. Right, what's what's happening? So there's a lot of silence, there's stunned silence as we start this, this marathon through. So first page, preface, here's the preface. Okay, lovely, goes into some, so for me, I'm going to do exactly what I do when I actually read these PDFs, which is, okay, ignore that, don't care about the preface, don't care about the foreword. Uh, contents, uh, we'll get through that. Ignore the executive summary because we're going to kind of get there. We're going to go through all this stuff. So it's like, okay, some numbers there, but actually don't care about that. Strategic case. Okay, right. So, okay, these are some nice big words about climate change. 
response to government staff, their air forecasts, their five degrees. Uh, uh, rail contributes less. So this is making the point that actually rail already is brilliant, but there is a me there is merit in us pushing for more. So tra railway traction accounts for the greatest proportion of emissions within rail. There we are. Da -da 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 -da. With all traction electricity for electric services matched by an equivalent amount of nuclear power, emissions can be considered almost entirely from diesel train operation. So yeah, basically all the electric trains essentially don't really have, you can, you can almost essentially ignore those emissions. Um, da -da 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 -da. And Network Rail have an aspiration to power the entire network off nuclear, by the way. Uh, right, da -da -da -da. lovely, so that's fine. Oh, lots of big strategic case, yeah, explicitly focused on, yep, yep, yeah, okay, so I'm not, not too interested in that. So here you can see that they talk about the national map and the numbers, which they repeat these numbers over and over again. So this is very much, again, a kind of a, a summary maps provided. Yep, yeah, yeah, whatever. Okay, so so we're, we're all, we're kind of, in, this is a lot of preamble bump that, that isn't really the meat of it. So we can flick through that. Okay, so now we start seeing some diagrams that are breaking down the, um, kind of breaking down the, the case. So, so this is essentially the, the diagram that I put up earlier. So you've got emissions reduction, decarbonisation, benefits to passengers and freight users, direct rail benefits, environmental benefits, and wider economy benefits. Great. Okay. Case for change, strategic objectives, strategic benefits. This is a useful, probably kind of a useful thing to refer to if you're justifying the case for electrification to other people. So here's some extra context. Okay. So, so 5.2 context. Okay. They're talking about COVID-19, uh, but frankly, and actually, this is one of the changes from the industry version, the, one, the version that went out to industry a month ago and the version the DFT released. There are very few changes. Fair play DFT, they've, they've, not, they've not blunted the teeth of this. But the only change they did make is actually they downplayed the significance and relevance of COVID-19, which is actually a, a good change from the DFT there for once. So someone's, someone's been eating their brown flakes. Oh, cup of tea, nice little... Um, it's, uh, it's a good job I had this up. I just had a panic uh, in case I didn't there. Nice, uh, it's got my Edinburgh mug out for once. There we are, nice. Um, so, COVID-19, basically they say, let's not worry about it, because this is a bigger, longer, uh, the, 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 you know, basically they're saying the mega trend is climate change. And uh, likewise, then I say under here, climate change is the important thing going on here. And then there's a bit of stuff about, you know, talking about the negative stuff about climate change, because let's face it, some of the ministers reading this don't believe in climate change. It's probably good for them to kind of explain to them again. Um, overall UK emissions there is a, is a context, so that's fine. But these are all stats that, um, yeah, so this is interesting. So this is looking at some of the stuff that I think I've talked about before about the overall reduction in emissions and then the bigger picture of uh, the fact that transport hasn't reduced its emissions in the entire time I've been alive in the UK. So I think that's probably touching on that. Uh, da -da -da -da. Yeah, lovely. Marvellous. Yeah, so you can see, in fact, you can see, there we go. So so transport, surface transport is this blue and it's basically a flat line. It's rubbish. Uh, and then rail emissions. Rail, one of the greenest modes of transport in the UK. Lovely. I'd argue that it's the greenest mode, but um, yeah, particularly if you're, if, depending on what you eat, rail is indeed one of the greenest modes of transport. It's up there with, you know, the e-bike. Anyway, da -da 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 -da, lovely. And then some context about electrification and about how much of the railway is and is not electrified. So this is interesting. So um, the UK rail network covers just under 16,000 route kilometers of track. Um, and so that's, in, we've got to be careful now. So we've got a conversion between um, route kilometers and STKs or single track kilometers and that's something we need to be careful about not getting confused in here so that's route kilometers but that's essentially just saying one kilometer along a railway ignoring how many tracks there are um, and depending on what you're measuring it's useful to go either between route kilometers or single track kilometers. Um, people are asking if there are multiple instances of 5.2.1 
Uh, yes, there are. That, 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 that's because they've added COVID-19 in, isn't it? Oops. Ah, well. That's, so these, are, these num paragraphs are numbered, but tactically they've numbered the COVID-19 ones twice. Who was that who spotted that? James P. Solid effort. Uh, good work. Um, so there we go. Rail emissions. UK Rail Network. So of the 16,000 route kilometres uh, of track in the UK, uh, actually, that's GB. That should say GB, I think, not UK. Can I verify that? That should say GB, not UK. Never mind. Um, and because, uh, and over, so 6,000 of those 16,000 route kilometres are electrified. Um, yeah, so that's fairly, fairly straightforward. Lovely. There's a map showing the existing stuff. You see the yellow there for horrid stabiliser rail and a bit up there as well. For the most part, though, there's nice green 25 kV overheads. And then there's a bit of uh, DC overhead that's marked up. I think there's time. Where is it? Uh, there's, there's maybe a bit here and there. Anyway, lovely. That's all fairly straightforward. Here's some uh, variants of the electrification project. So you can see 2012-13, no, not much. 13-14, 3 kilometers, 4 kilometers added. 2015-16, 60. 43 and 1670, good grief, CP5 is a shambles, wasn't it? By the time you were getting to the end of CP5, suddenly we'd ramped up to 400 kilometres of electrification delivery, and then that's just dropped right back down again, so hmm, not ideal, but there's some interesting numbers there. It's, a, it's probably quite a useful thing to, to pick up that table on the, on this page. This is page 13, but actually it's not page 13 of the PDF, it's page 13 as marked in the footer. Um, oh, some, some preamble about passenger vehicles, yeah, 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 yeah. So there's some stuff about... Uh, so it's actually a very it's difficult to find this data actually so it's always worth picking out the kind of the, the the subheading data that's maybe a bit hidden barring the lead but it's useful to know how many vehicles there are in the UK for example because when I start talking about level boarding in a few rail hours time uh, spoilers uh, I will be referring to how much of a problem rolling stock is for level boarding in the country and roughly a 14,000 rolling stock vehicles uh, in the UK so it's interesting to, to look at that um, do, do 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 there we are lovely uh, some stuff about open access offerings. A, a bit of chat about freight services there. So talking about electric and diesel freight. Uh, yeah, so there we go. Just talking, giving some rough ideas of what limits freight. So things like gauge, weight, speed and length of train. Yeah, lovely. Um, yeah, marvellous. Ah, uh, there we go. So not, not a, yeah, a little bit about DC freight, but saying basically uh, freight on D, on 750 volt DC is not really a thing. That, that's really only really it's only a really a form of traction suited to commuter tra commuter rail some stuff about engineering trains yellow plants there's some tenders out for electrifying yellow plant actually at the moment uh, and engineering trains some network rails fleet interesting stuff anyway so that's fine oh then a breakdown of network rail well we don't need a breakdown of network rail we can google that and read stuff and stuff there's some stuff about network rail baselines so uh, right this is important this is talking about what they are and are not including within so the point at which they've drawn the line under the map of what of what is definitely happening and what might be happening, but they're pretending hasn't yet. So they are including electrification of the Great Western Main Line to Cardiff um, and electrification of the Midland Main Line to Market Harbour and Corby. That is included. Those are signed off and happening. The work does not consider uh, non-network rail infrastructure, and so it is not including evaluation or appraisal of the following. The Core Valley Lines, um, a very bad job being done at electrifying. Uh, no, I didn't say that. Sorry, I'll just correct myself there. There is some electrification work going on in the valley lines, and they're using some novel approaches. Uh, novel, uh, here in, in this case, being a euphemism for badly engineered, but uh, we'll move on from that. East-West Rail is not network rail, so they're not counting this. Weird. Totally weird. 
should be network rail infrastructure. I think it's a weird, silly experiment that they're that they're progressing. But whatever, if it gets delivered, uh, we'll see. HS1 is not doesn't isn't included. Fair enough. And HS2 well, doesn't exist yet, and it's quite away from existing. So it's fair enough they don't include that either. But frankly, for HS2, and someone asked me this question before, it's not really relevant. Um, it's not really relevant whether HS2 uh, like HS2 doesn't have a bearing on the existing network because the the services that it gobbles up and allows you know it allows more frequent services from the existing network which only means more need for electrification rather than less so it kind of is fair enough uh, let's have a look at the chat because a few people have asked some questions 153 million liters of diesel are currently consumed by just freight which shows the potential for reduction yeah nice work i'm glad for you you're picking this stuff up uh, some class 92 erasure going on thanks gembot uh, that was O'Neill pointing that out. Chris McKenna, uh, is one kilometre of double track electrification double the cost of one kilometre of single track electrification? Um, no, but it doesn't, it, it's not a bad idea to assume rates per single track kilometre because it gives you at least a bit of a conservative estimate. Um, Gary Keener would be able to answer that. In fact, Gordon even might, Gordon on the chat might be able to uh, kind of. Uh, gesture vaguely in that direction having uh, you know there, there are a few people in the chat who might be able to answer that actually chris but i'd say that it's a good rule of thumb to just assume uh, that it is double uh, because then you're not going to be upset if there's something particularly tricky going on uh, let's see so uh, oh david shepherd uh, they really shouldn't do reports that exclude northern ireland and use the term uk it's kind of rude well i think it's fair enough that network rail or a report like this covers just gb but they should do a control f and find all the instances of UK and check that that is a correct reference because some of the stats might be UK, but when it comes to infrastructure, the the, the kind of the self-contained unit is really GB. And, and yeah, I agree, it's a bit stupid when they, they cough it up. And I do it sometimes. Please always correct me when I do it. Um, yes, we're, we're going to talk about the Welsh Valley Lines and I feel like it's the sort of chat where I won't get a guest on so that I can be a bit free and frank about how much of a bad job I think they're doing on it. But anyway, let's uh, we'll, we'll, we'll come to that. Right, we've, we've delayed. Here we go, rolling stock. Um, okay, they've, they've split into different categories of rolling stock. There we go. Uh, that's fine and probably not hugely relevant at this point. We'll maybe come back to it. Uh, network capacity. So, you know, talking about capacity of the network. Uh, some areas of the rail network are approaching capacity limits. Yeah, we know that. Uh, or suffering performance degradation due to maximum capacity utilization. Yeah, a huge amount of that. Do do do. Lovely. Yep. So we need to, yeah, that's fine. So this is a lot of scene setting, really, and we can probably flick through it. So I think I'm going to work today, current picture. Okay, so it's talking about lots of publications, lots of talk, lots of talking shop, but not very much action. Uh, network rail non-traction decarbonisation. Okay, so this is interesting. So this is the stuff that doesn't involve wires or hydrogen or, or battery, but actually does need to be thought about with wider decarbonisation. So things like considering uh, carbon uh, in investments. Yep, so any investment they make thinking about carbon. Electricity connections to the network, improving general energy efficiency is good, yet managed station energy usage, a broad sustainability culture, so it's kind of tying all these together, you know, things like renewable energy and generation and storage, and then the road fleet as well. So all these things, you know, electrifying the van fleet, you know, obviously Network Rail operate a load of vans and all their contractors operate loads and loads of vans and, you know, hire cars to go to site and all these things. Um, there's stuff that Network Rail can do to drive it kind of massive change you know bearing in mind that 600,000 people are employed in the wider railway supply chain that's a lot of vans and cars being driven about um yes Owen O'Neill is pointing out the decision around the freight locomotive which will replace the existing class 66 fleet which is basically most freight uh, rail freight vehicles will need to begin right now yeah agreed we've been talking about this for a while now and and the more we delay the more that becomes a serious problem because in about what is it 10 15 years 
we really need to be on top of uh, on top of that because there's a lot of class 66s uh sausage squished trains that i was talking about in um uh well there's your problem uh you know american trains squished into sausage uh, shape uh, they're all going to be expiring and need to get scrapped anyway right okay international decarbonization efforts right well let's flick through that there's some some examples of, of uh, some case studies here so there's the the Alstom's uh, hydrogen train, which one of the earliest rail natter episodes is about hydrogen trains. So I'd recommend watching that one if you want some context. It's not that crazy an idea. Um, have a look through this stuff. There are useful and relevant applications of that technology. Uh, some uh, okay, that's one case study. There's some case for change. So broad, we've already talked about this. It's that table that we've looked at, and so this is going into each of those in a bit more detail. You know, talking about there are some modal shift. That's good. Uh, what's this? Yeah, so modal shift. Oh, some decent data about modal shift for passengers there actually. Uh, it's, uh, da, 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 da. Yeah, some, so talk about the fact that modal shift is a very good thing. Some research based on the impact of COVID-19 on uh, CO2 reduction. So, there's, so actually this is worth revisiting and picking through in a bit more detail, which we're not going to do now, um, relevant to the data associated with modal shift. So I'll be picking through that to see if there are any nice infographics I can create out of it. That should be interesting. Oh, running out of breath. Whew. Class 66s were made in Canada. Yeah, mixed bag. They're North American because now they're, the, the last few were made in Illinois, I think. Um, so mixture. Uh, oh yeah, that's a good point. Five point two point four six. Yeah, these are good to make all these paragraph references. By the way, five point two point four six. Do 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 do. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, only technology sufficiently advanced are trains powered from batteries, electric infrastructure, and hydrogen. Yeah. Uh, so that's referring really to traction technology. But you're right. Uh, uh, who was that? Where, where? Who was saying that? Who just made that comment? Oh, I lost you. Oh, I'm ever so sorry. Uh, was that Brian? Was that you? Uh, where? Oh, never mind. Anyway, yeah. Oh, sorry. It's Graham Howarth. Yes, uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, that is also really relevant to the technology used to actually do the wiring. Very true. Right. Okay. Let's keep hammering through this. So, so the end unit event. So we, we've kind of touched on these. So I'm going to whiz through this because basically, when I read this, I was like, I kind of know all this stuff. I want to get into the meat of it. But actually, it's good that they've built up this case because it helps policymakers and lobbyists. Kind of like I when when COVID you know, pre-COVID I was kind of doing a bit of that you know strutting around Parliament and telling people that uh, it's a good idea to do some of these things and helping helping support RIA and various bits and bobs so that's good. Um, case change summary so they've summarised it here lovely. Right now they're going to it's okay see see there's a lot of pre-waffle and actually we're going to hammer through some of this so there's all these benefits and if you want to pick through this fine but actually the meat of the report is is beyond this stuff so it's all the strategic benefits long-term yeah 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 cascading of units so there's obviously operational benefits as these unit the cascade process of rolling stock being cascaded means that people at the bottom of the chain will be getting improved rolling stock as well as you introduce new electric stock all the sort of standard benefits that we've understood for decades frankly um cross-modal transport economy just uh, da, 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 da. yeah lovely so keep i'm going to keep hammering through this so lovely um oh there's a case study here about the education program related to the middle of mainline oh, lovely so yeah okay they're talking about uh, increases in safety risk yeah okay so there is the chance that you blow people up if they touch the wires but it's all about education and so that's what this little um this little box out is for which is fair enough it's, it's good they've included that you know it's important to think about the social impacts of you know it's good to think about okay what are the negative impacts can we can we manage these um let's see so we've got um let's see that yeah studio benefits after that yeah lovely Okay, so we've seen all these. Let's okay. There's another case study. Ah, it's a, the the Clayton battery locomotive shunter. This has been a roaring success, actually. I think they've been selling quite a few of these. Um, yeah, this is replacing kind of the 08 shunter, really. I think 
Um, any, any thoughts on that one? Uh, yeah, there we are, lovely. I keep hammering through this. Uh, a case study for uh, the very light rail. Not really sure why they've included this case study, but I suppose it's just discussing the potential of what can be happening. You know, a, a very light rail vehicle makes a battery tr battery operation a bit easier um, because if the rest of the train's a bit lighter, you've got more weight, kind of more more gap in weight to then run to fill a load of batteries in and run it that way. So some of these are looking at diesel, which, but I think a lot of these are looking at battery battery operation. Um, uh, yeah, so. Uh, that's you know fine. I, I, I'm I have to say I'm mildly skeptical of the concept overall, but uh, I'm waiting to see what they come out with and what the what the research looks at and what the what the proposed use case is for these these sort of very light rail vehicles. And note that these cannot run these cannot run in mixed traffic. These can only run on uh, on sort of entirely segregated lines. Anyway, that's sort of a by the by. Full solution. So. Um, these are the three. Okay, so this is where they're looking at the three different solutions. So electric traction. So that's full electrification, as I'm going to refer to it. Um, and for the most part, that means overhead. That means an OCS, so overhead contact system. Uh, in the UK, generally refer to it as OLE. Um, and then also it refers to a little bit of DCCR, so uh, kind of 750 DC third rail stuff. But that's just infill. But the, it, and we'll get to this in the report. They have worked with the RSSB, and the RSSB are continuing to do the research on 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 a on a safety case around continuing to do some you know doing some more third rail electrification, which is a no brainer, frankly. Uh, much as I'd love it to be wired, uh, for the isolated pockets that are in you know just surrounded by third rail, just make it third rail for goodness sake. So electric traction, battery powered traction, and hydrogen powered traction. And so you can see they've done a bit of a, a breakdown there, and they're saying that. Um, hydrogen power traction train has a, a range, particular range of around a thousand kilometers. So for a single diagram, so that's the operation that a train has to do in one day. So not just the total distance from one end of a line to the other, but doing that repeatedly in one day, uh, about a thousand kilometers. So it's interesting to see then um, what sort of operations that allows, and that feeds into this report later. Uh, Mike, don't worry about being late. That's fine. Uh, it's always. Uh, Always, always here saved. People are enjoying the fact that uh, battery shunters are a good idea. Yep, I agreed. Oh, there are a hundred of you watching this. I don't know if is this any is this actually useful. Let me know if this is useful. Uh, I shall continue hammering on anyway. Right. Uh, so we've got hydrogen. So we've had battery hydrogen traction combinations without diesel. So this is a bit of a um, consideration of bimode operation, but without the secondary mode being diesel. So considering battery or hydrogen as the as the secondary mode. There's a bit of a discussion of this. You can see a fairly long discussion, but um, yes, there's a bit of a mixture. Uh, yeah, a bit of a mixture of discussion. So there's some stuff about some of the research going on that. I think a very important paragraph is this one, 5.6.71. The choice of deploying discontinuous or discrete electrification is for very geographically specific reasons and requires careful consideration during project development and optioneering. As TDNS is using a top-down appraisal, it does not consider either discontinuous or discrete electrification. These will be considered by regional teams during project development and hopefully will be mostly thrown out. Uh, that's my additional uh, in italics addition there. Uh, discontinuous or discrete electrification are just terrible ideas. So never ever use them to suggest, oh, why don't we electrify this and then use discontinuous here. Um, Unless you're an electrification engineer, you should not be proposing or suggesting discontinuous electrification. Okay, that's the rule. If I was going to have an orange rail natter take-home note uh, that I would have in, that I'll insert here, it will be only electrification engineers are allowed to propose discontinuous or discrete electrification. Yeah, none of us uh, normos, uh, none of us normies are allowed to recommend it and suggest it. Certainly, politicians and project managers and strategic level people are not allowed to suggest it. 
uh, only full electrification or use of uh, battery or, or um, hydrogen uh, it kind of for, for a single route is allowed. No discontinuous or discrete electrification. Okay, good. We've all agreed on that. Nice one. Uh, the chat's kind of, uh, the chat's kind of, is this the chat frozen? Wait a minute. So let's just refresh. Uh, just make sure I haven't broken the stream. No, we're here, still running. Happy days. Good. I'm glad everyone agreed to that. Uh, yes, Sarah Noble, you're right. Coughing stand edge tunnel uh, at the politicians is a good idea because you ain't discontinuously electrifying that, you muppets. Right, anyway, let's keep hammering on. How are we doing? <sighs> page 73. Actually, this isn't page 73. This is page. Uh, 80 of 257. Can someone do some sums on whether this, whether we're realistically going to get through this within the hour, bearing in mind it's half past? I remain unconvinced. We'll see. It might end up being an hour and a half. That's fine. David Shepard asks, what does discontinuous and discrete actually mean? Uh, very good question. So what that, that means is some people suggest that you can stop the wires, uh, drop the pantograph, and avoid to avoid doing the expensive infrastructure bits through, for example, uh, difficult overbridges or uh, tunnels and these sorts of structures. So where you need to do some really heavy engineering or through some stations, you know, uh, where you need to do some really heavy engineering, there's a suggestion that um, you can avoid putting the wires up and avoid all the associated heavy works if you just leave a gap in the OLE and let the train drop its pantograph. This is a terrible idea uh, for all sorts of reasons that Gary Keener has outlined in a thread that I would highly recommend you search discontinuous electrification 25 kv and gary's thread gary's railways explained thread will come up um it's just a dreadful idea uh, best avoided unless in very specific situations Whew. do you mind if i have a cup of, a little sip of tea particularly for the so i don't know how this is going to be as a as a an audio only version of the um podcast crikey oh i needed that so this now, so 5.7 is now talking about the actual methodology. So we've touched on this uh, in the slides before I put the, the report up. So um, the section introduces technical considerations, yada, yada, yeah, okay. So basically they put the diagram up that I put earlier about battery, electric, and hydrogen. So summary of the technical abilities of the three traction technologies considered as part of the report. Yep, lovely, so there they are. Um, the detailed technical ability is extensively covered in the RSSB's research work. Uh, so if ever you see some T, T numbers, those are RSSB. Be reports kind of taking on taking up the back the, the kind of taking up the back the mantle or rather no I'm getting the analogies mixed or maybe similes mixed up taking on the baton from BR research now finally RSSB are leading on some very interesting work generally in collaboration with some of the universities um, so they've looked at some of these publications but uh, and there've been some euphemisms I think within those and the, the rail industry decarbonization decarbonization task force publication was a bit wet frankly it's a bit rubbish. This is so much harder and tougher, and I'm pleased about it. And so this is much more. This report has been much more. The TDNS has been much more blunt about what electric, uh, sorry, what battery and hydrogen cannot do, which is good. So you can see here, there's electric. Um, they've put them in alphabetical order to make it look like they're not being biased. It's very. Uh, I noticed that. Very, very good work, everyone who's uh, created the report and the graphics. Nice one. So you can see there we are, lovely. So you can see. Oh, they've even put the decision tree. So there we go. So they've actually laid out the decision tree in Figure 13. Um, and that's basically determining if there's high freight volume or operations greater than, uh, greater than 100 miles an hour, it's electrification. Then uh, if there are trains which operate on the electric network um, as diesels, uh, intensive use, captive fleet, multiple options, that, that's sort of the, the, the kind of middle ground. And then the single options that are, uh, so if you've got reduced usage up to 100 kilometers in length, 
then you end up with the battery and then if it's over 100 kilometers in length you end up with hydrogen so you can see kind of the cascade of logic that they've used to come up with these 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 answers so if you're upset about why your line's not being electrified have a look at have a think about the follow the logic through um and there's probably a sensible reason for it that's for all the people who are pouring over the map and not actually reading the report of which there have been plenty so far uh right schematic page 74 really shows what a no-brainer electrification is uh Yes, agreed. Absolutely. That was uh, Graham Howarth pointing that out. Thanks, Graham. David Shepard. So the uh, TLDR version of 5.75 is that hydrogen trains are slightly less useless than battery trains. <laughs> you, uh, you could indeed try and say that, David. Yeah, but they have their uses. They have their uses. Um, Thomas Wood brings up a good point, uh, which is that they're using road traffic lights, not railway signals with the red on top. Very road centric. Well, you've got to appeal to the Department for Transport and unfortunately, and Treasury, and unfortunately both those departments are very road-centric, so, you know, it's making their life a bit easier. For an electrification report, quite a bit devoted to modal shift. Yeah, 5.5.13 onwards. Uh, is that There's quite a lot of stuff. As, as I flick through, there's a lot of stuff on modal shift, which is really good. I'm pleased about that. Um, very pleased about that. Mikey B asks an interesting question. It's not a stupid question, Mikey B, not at all. Do trains with pantographs typically have a third rail compatibility also? Um, that's a yes and a no. Uh, they don't automatically, but most modern rolling stock uh, has the ability to be, uh, like but the, the EU standards make, mean that you can theoretically make them third rail fairly, in a fairly straightforward way. Um, so uh, I think generally it's, it's easier to make dual, vo yeah, it's much easier yeah, basically, it's difficult to convert from 25 kV into DC. So generally, any of the DC stock, the newish DC stocks, so a third rail stock you see going around, it's quite easy to convert that to, uh, to overhead running uh, 25 kV. It's quite a bit harder to do it the other way around, but it's not impossible. Um, so there's a bit of discussion. So there's, yeah, there's different volumes of there. But the TSIs generally, so that the European TSIs make that and force that to be a bit easier than it was sort of, 30 years ago um yeah good question uh, and, and lots of good answers as well john christoph getting in yeah mike roaming out yeah good stuff thanks thanks for th thanks for your thanks for the chat the chat's great real matter people i just want to express to you those in the chat a lot of love for all of you you you, you make these things work and, and you make it a little community of people saying hello to each other and sort of answering each other's questions it makes me very happy um and, and a little bit a little bit proud uh this feels like one of the better things i've ever created so um hi to all of you it's, i'm glad this happens Discord feels like an extension of it, so you know, it continues to make me happy. Um, yes, Thameslink does switch between the two, but it's very much designed uh, to do that. Uh, David Shepard, yes, you're, you're absolutely right about that. Um, yeah, there's good, there's lots of good answers going on, so I'll let that chat continue, and I shall continue to press on through the report. So we've got to five point eight, and this is again making the recommendations. Um, so this is just uh, outlining what happens later. So here you see, so there, there are recommendations. We're going to break these down later. So here's the map. We finally got to the big map, TM. Here it is. Uh, and you can see there's, there's, there's colors for baseline electrification. Um, there are, uh, so you know, you've got core electrification, ancillary electrification, alternative, let's, let's zoom in on this actually. So this is the, t the, the, um, the, the legend. So the black stuff is stuff that is um, already done Core electrification is the is the sort of easy answer. Ancillary is the, so this is about prioritization essentially. This is so core ancillary, um, and then indeed some of the multiple uh, dotted stuff um, is is will be electrified. But I think the core and ancillary, and we'll find that in the report. I think the core and ancillary makes reference to um, uh, 
the prioritization of what needs to happen when you know what the what the first what the first uh, priorities are and um, what needs to be done later on so uh, let's in fact that's a good point let me just so yeah um, let's just be specific about what core and ancillary uh, means so do do so you can see for electrification Da, da, da. There are a number of areas in the, on the network that are only marginally within the parameters of single option. For electrification, these areas identify, are identified on the maps as ancillary electrification. For the purpose of the analysis, these routes have not been split out as the methodology identifies them as requiring electrification. However, it was felt prudent to identify areas which, when assessed, emerged marginal. For battery and hydrogen, where distances on the fringe of capability of the relevant technology, this has been identified in the supporting commentary contained within Appendix 8. I read that very quickly. Basically, it's giving... I'm, I'm, it's sensible because it gives a prioritization, which is good. There is the risk that the penny pinchers will, will, will say, well, if it's marginal, then go with the cheaper one, which automatically for them will be the rolling stock option, not the infrastructure option. But I hope that that will just be seen as um, ancillary stuff will just be seen as, as, as something that you, okay, that'll be at the, the back end of the process of electrification. So obviously you'll do the core routes. You'll aim to satisfy, you know, you'll aim to deploy electrification on those core routes first. Um, uh, lovely, 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 lots of good chat going on, right, I'll leave that to it. So, here's the map, uh, and you can see lots of dark green, lots of core stuff that needs doing. Funnily enough, it's actually a good idea to have lots of electric railway. You can see the settle in Carlisle there is ancillary electrification, that's the first, it's the first time it's been recommended for electrification, certainly since the 1950s, um, which is good. You can see that Newcastle Carlisle is just defined for electrification, core electrification, borders, core electrification. So this is so you got up to Scotland, by the way, and actually this is this isn't so much relying on the, the methodology that's been undertaken. This is basically riding off Transport Scotland and Network Rail Scotland's work that's already been done. And you can see that the long-term solution uh, in Scotland is just electrification everywhere except on some of the fringe routes. So except on the West Highland Line, and the Far North and Kyle of Lacalche lines. So that's sort of understandable. Much as I would love for electrification to appear on there in the distant, you know, uh, in the distant future, that that there. there you know, there are better alternatives, uh, certainly between now and 2050. Or now, between now and 2040, actually. Uh, there we go. A few various interesting things. And you can see the yellows. So these yellows are battery, uh, and the blues are hydrogen. So there's some interesting stuff. And we'll go into the details of these when we go into the section. But you can see there are a few... Okay, there's some interesting observations here. Ah, right, okay, interesting, interesting, interesting. So let's not focus on that for now, because... I think it's important that we continue to press on through the report. So that's the that's the diagram, and I, it would be really nice if they release a massive like A2 PDF of this with a decent quality, so we can we can use it. Uh, or even better would be like if they released a CAD version. Anyway, we'll we'll get there. Actually, if anyone if any of the authors are watching this and you've got a CAD version of this, can you send it to me because I need it for my Network 2050 report. Ta. Anyway, right. Extension of the existing network. Uh, 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 so it's talking about the potential for extension. It's critical that the proposals made. This is about real network extensions. Are this is basically, sorry, I'll step back. This is referring to the fact that government is talking about potentially expanding the railway network. Uh, yes, they've mentioned beaching. I need a, I need a drop that does the klaxon, don't I really? In fact, I need to have drops altogether. Uh, I need to, yeah, I'll, uh, Patreon people in the Discord, uh, message me about drops and what you recommend for setting up drops in, because in, uh, I really need the QI klaxon sound effect for this moment when I mentioned beaching. Anyway, QI klaxon, um, reference to the beaching reversal nonsense. Uh, it's critical that any proposals are cognizant of the recommendations within this, within this document and also the broader net zero emissions targets. Basically, they're saying 
you need to think about how you're going to electrify your railway, uh, or sorry, decarbonize your, your railway, run it with zero carbon, uh, and whether that means electric, whether it means hydrogen, or whether it means battery. Um, it's like a bit of a jab towards East West Rail, I think, because it's absolutely mental that East West Rail is not fully electrified. Anyway, it's another story. In fact, it's not another story. It is a little bit. Um, Owen O'Neill, 5.8.9. These recommendations will result in up to 96% of passenger unit kilometres operated using electric tracks, with the remaining 4% operated using hydrogen and battery units. Yeah, it's a very, very, very astute point. Really is observing how small the number of uh, uh, passenger unit kilometres, so kind of how, how much passenger journey for anyone uh, on any given day will be on proper full electrification. Very little will then be on ancillary stuff. Anyway, uh, David Shepard's asking, that was Owen O'Neill, by the way. Uh, David Shepard's asking, will it say later on how long all the electrification will take? Yes, we're going to get there. And we'll talk about engineering capability too. Uh, Barry Jones, uh, note that the map does not show the Wirral lines, Bidston, West Kirby lines, electrified. Yeah, we'll get into the details later. Um, so, let's go. Uh, so, we're discussing the role of diesel rolling stock. Da, da, da. So, it's talking about... There's a major role for diesel rolling stock in supporting the work needed to achieve interim emissions targets in advance of 2050. So lots of stuff about hybridization, you know, bi-mode, multi-mode, all this stuff. Bit of discussion about diesel. Uh, yeah, diesel cannot play any part in a zero carbon railway. Procurement of new diesel only trains is likely to carry a significant volume of risk that will be made redundant beyond 2050. Uh, procurement of diesel only units should only be pursued where there is a clear strategic and economic rationale for doing so. Basically they're saying stop buying diesel trains. Fair enough. Uh, there we are. They're, they're talking about some lessons for alternative traction. So again, they're mentioning modal shift, which is good and efficient delivery. So this is we'll, we'll, this, this is answering the point that uh, David made earlier. This is going to start being expanded. Joshua Ritchie, what is the closest uh, point in the national? Okay, that's not relevant. Um, L, okay, uh, pinged on Discord with temporary solution. Uh, okay, that's good. Um, thanks, thanks, Ella developer. That will be good. One of one of my mods on the one of my admins on the. Uh, on the Discord, fantastic. Uh, right. I can't, this is how my brain works. I can't remember what that was. Discord will, will provide me the answer anyway. <laughs> uh, right. Recommendations, Scotland's Railway. Okay, this is just talking about the fact they've just taken the report. They've taken that report, um, basically, and, and re represented it exactly as it is. So there's, there's a, the, the, the Scotland stuff that's already been announced, and then the TDNS recommendations just to kind of overlap each other. So that's fine. And here we go. We're starting to get into the breakdown of by route. Um, and, and this is good. And so what I'm going to do is probably skip the by route recommendations because we can use the map. But it's worth if you're wanting to. So there's, there's a, later on there are maps and then tables referring to each choice. And I think that's where we're going to spend a lot of time. So the, the wordy description of the recommendations I'm going to flick through um, fairly rapidly. In fact, I'm going to do it right now. So there's some, you know, there's, there's some recommendations about freight flows. So actually, there's just a lot of good broad discussion. Um, so, you know, recommendation for Southern, recommendation for Wales and Western, Northwest and Central. Um, this is where we're going to talk about. So that here we're talking about the, the programme. Um, so this is talking about the programme of the report. So the intention of both this TDNS interim programme business case and the further TDNS programme business case. So this is only the interim business case. The larger document will appear later. Um, is to outline proposals to achieve traction decarbonisation. And then they're saying that follow-up work will be required to realise the delivery of the recommendations. Yes. Um, the delivery of this program will then be outlined in the um, in this section included as part of the management case. So there's, there's, we're, we're 90 pages in, but what are we, like a third of the way through, maybe a little bit more. Um, so this is still a strategic, there's discussions at a strategic level. So that's great. So lots of benefits. Here we go. 
um, significant secondary benefits in the six key areas that have been outlined. So that's great. So, and then they break this down again for the benefit. They're really like hammering it home. Just no matter which bit of this report you read, you will have this these points, the wider benefits hammered home to you. So make sure that they notice. Um, there we go. Da, da, da. Lots of discussion of modal shift, which is good. Uh, as Owen O'Neill is pointing out, thank you, Owen, for keeping an eye on things as I'm whizzing through. Right, okay, the economic case. So this is a large section that goes into the deep economics, and it's about, they use the, so, so there are two ways to look at, based on the, the current restrictive uh, treasury rules, hashtag abolish the treasury, there are two ways we can look at economic benefits. One of them is the benefit cost ratio, so undertaking a, a fairly rudimentary single point cost benefit analysis. The other is looking at net present value. Now, uh, cost benefit analysis maybe works. I mean, okay, it shouldn't be used at all at a strategic level, and anyone who tries to do that is a charlatan, but it often has been. Generally, it's used for point estimates that are static in time and refer to a fairly short delivery program. So actually, it doesn't really work for any form of infrastructure, but um, that's what that is used for. So the idea of using it for HS2 is a hilarious joke. The other net present value looks at a period of investment and then a period of return and then sums the two and looks at how long it takes before you break even or indeed whether you break even at all. And so in a minute you're going to see some graphs that explain this. So this is quite heavy stuff. So so this this is basically discussing that point and it's talking about the you know the conversion of um, kilograms of CO2 equivalent per annum into cost values and, and looking at end realization. It's kind of discussing that, but essentially what it does is I'm whizzing through to these these benefits. So so all, it talks about all the cost benefits. Actually, it's worth just saying what that net present value analysis includes. So it includes carbon reduction benefits, includes journey time benefits, includes performance benefits. It does include some level of DFT analyzed road decongestion benefits. I'm dubious about that, but we'll see. Uh, it includes increases in passenger revenue. Um, and, and in terms of the cost, so those are the benefits. You'll notice a lot of major emissions there. For example, um, the uh, benefits to health from more people being interested in sustainable transport travel and potentially cycling more. It doesn't, doesn't look at the benefits in terms of um, uh, cycling uh, and, and some more ability to cycle because of decongestion on the roads. So it, it misses a lot of stuff that's quite difficult to quantify. So uh, as is quoted in rail, I think you'll see at the next issue, there are, you know, there are critics of this process, shall we say, wave. Um, yeah, but actually, it's a very good point. There's a good breakdown that will be coming out in, that, that, that's happening in rail. As you'd expect a breakdown of this, I'd, I'd recommend you have a look at. So, in terms of the things that are included in the in the outgoings, so that's the, the income. Then the outgoings are the, obviously the capital and renewal costs of, of the infrastructure, the maintenance costs of the infrastructure, the disruption during construction disbenefits. So that's probably looking at Schedule 8 costs and Schedule 4 costs, rolling stock maintenance costs, rolling stock fuel costs, leasing costs, which... Uh, you know, shouldn't exist, but they do. And then a, a kind of NR maintenance costs. So that's changes in track maintenance costs to do with uh, different rolling stock types. So related to track charges. So it's the calculation of the of, of the of the outgoings m minus the the income that gives you your net present value over time. So that's very important. And then they've done this for I think five different pathways. So they've broken down. Uh, so there's a do minimum, and it's kind of discussing what that do minimum is. There's a, um, yeah, so, they're, they're, so you can see here, a, a do minimum, which is make no changes, do nothing, do none of this. That's basically the trajectory we're on now. And then there are five pathways. A do minimum pathway plus a decarbonisation strategy that achieves 80% reduction in traction power carbon emissions um, at some point. 
Low to medium is talking about a 95% reduction in traction power carbon emissions from these levels at some point. Then the medium, uh, so pathways three, four, and five are then talking about a decarbonization strategy that achieves net zero by 2050. High, the, the pathway four, which is everyone's favorite pathway, which is uh, a decarbonization strategy that achieves net zero by 2040. And then the medium pathway of pathway five is uh, net zero by 2061. So that's kind of a slower, that's kind of a slower uh, ambition. Still, a, still an overall medium ambition, but it, pathway five is sort of the slow road to achieving that. Um, and then what you get is, so let's have a look. So that gives you, ah, right, sorry. So the next page gives an interesting table. Um, which looks at, um, sorry, just a second. I'm just going to, uh, yeah, I'm just gonna, right, I'll come back to that later. So um, let's have a look at the chat while I've got this up because this has some interesting stuff on it. In fact, maybe I should leave the previous one up with the, path, the different pathways so people can soak that in. So uh, let's have a look. Uh, yes, so, oh, really? <laughs> Yes, I did spot that. Yeah, Owen O'Neill points out a very good paragraph uh, or a quote from paragraph 6.2.5. The use of BCRs is of, uh, the use of a benefit cost ratio is of limited use or a limited value, I think it says. Uh, it's nice, very good, lots of stuff. Um, David Shepard, why do we need to break even when we're trying to avoid climate change? Well, it, indeed. Um, but that's the way that costings work in, you know, the, the, unfortunately, Treasury still looks, doesn't put enough weighting on the value of. Uh, of us not destroying the planet and of us all, you know, drowning. Uh, but you know, within the current limits, this this report has to. Th this report wouldn't have wouldn't have flown if it wasn't created within the existing uh, ridiculous limitations of the Treasury Green Book, and it has managed to do that with bells on. So I think everyone who's created it can be congratulated. But it's important that we've done that within those bounds, so that actually, say another government comes in, you know, one that isn't a complete psychopath. Uh, you know, whether it's frankly whatever color it is, but the current regime uh, needs to be binned. Anyway, uh, say another government comes in with, with that, that decides to sh shred the green book and look at the, the reality of actually surviving on this planet and also having other animals to live on it with, then you might find that there's a, a more weight put on, on the value of reducing carbon. But, you know, this is about the current, this, this shows that even within the stupid current round of uh, kind of limitations, uh, electrification is a no-brainer. That's kind of the important thing. Um, yep, lots of nice hashtag, the... Uh, Abolish the treasury, good stuff. Oh, people are suggesting we get barbecued in the summer before we all drown. Yeah, Lewis, I think you're right. Anyway, right. So, this this graph, this this little table here is about it associates each pathway with an annual single track kilometer rate per, um, over the program. Uh, so, so the average and then the maximum in a given year. So you can see that the um, Pathway four, which is the fastest one, has an average of 658 single track kilometers over the program. You can see that's very ambitious. If you consider that CP5, we maxed at 400 and we were struggling, you'd have to have this. It's not impossible, but you'd need a major, the, the, the supply chain would need to look different. You need to have a major ramp up. And I think and within this, they acknowledge that fact. Uh, and so you can see the maximum in a given year, 922 single track kilometers in a given year. That's epic. That it really is epic. Um, in terms of, we're 55 minutes in, by the way, and I think we're only like, what, we're at page 97. Uh, we're not doing great. It's only going to get slower as we go through. There's probably some more that I need to flick through at speed. Anyway, so that's a very useful table. Um, and I'm going to flick through the rest of the economic approach because it's quite heavy. But you can see that there's some discount rates, some general sort of yada yada, not hugely exciting. There's some stuff about capital costs. So they've assumed a fairly wide total bracket cost from a million 
uh, pounds per single track kilometer to 2.5 million pounds per single track kilometer, which the RIA um, electrification cost challenge report that was issued, was that last year? Khaki time flies. Um, is very good at explaining that and justifying it from so that's not that's that's not from estimators that's from past experience of what can be achieved so it's good stuff that tell me if my sounds all right by the way because this mic's been on for a very long time today I've done some pre-records as well um, and uh, yes so it'd be good to just just check that my mic's continuing to not crackle away hopefully it's nice and clear I mean as clear as this stupid mic is right so that's worth uh, just kind of yeah I thought that was worth dwelling on. You can see there, da, 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 lots of stuff about lots of stuff about operational costs. So here you can see discussions about uh, the units and, and sort of the application. Whiz through that. Um, some discussions of, of model years and how that fits in. So various bits and pieces here. Uh, I'm, so, so lots of discussion about the economic benefits of moving towards electric traction, essentially, in this section. Oh, here's the economic outputs where we see the calculation. So you know, net present value is um, uh, the benefits minus the costs it's as simple as that present value of benefits minus the present value of costs and you end up with okay there's there's the some carbon emissions so the graphs of the different pathways here so you can see pathway four frankly is all we need to be following because it means that you're getting decarbonization much much quicker than the other pathways that are frankly really really slow obviously the do nothing is a, is a, is a catastrophe but even pathway one which is the slowest here um it's just very, you're looking at decarbonization by 2070s. The, the, we just need to be much quicker than that. So the only pathways that I see as viable are pathways three and four. And really, we just need to be looking at pathway four, even though that requires a huge change to the shape of the supply chain. Um, right, so here's the first of these graphs I'm talking about. They're very interesting because they look at the pathway. And so you, this dark color is the is the cost. So that's the outgoing. So you can see, obviously, a major investment in the infrastructure there. That's an obvious annual costs associated with, you know, there's um, 600 million pounds being spent annually at peak um, on, on the infrastructure and on rolling stock as well on top of that, I believe. The green here are the benefits. So you can see the, the, the benefits start rolling in fairly quickly before that program is finished the benefits are starting to ramp up massively you can see they kind of normalize a bit but and then you can see this this blue line here is the npv value so that's where you can see the break even point there is at uh is, is in, in kind of 20 you know 20 2100 so it's, it's quite a way away so even so, so it's a long way away that we that we break even but there are bigger fish to fry uh indeed as people have pointed out us in summer so you can see those graphs start appearing for the various pathways. Let's go to pathway four. So you can see this involves an outlay up to eight, up to nearly a billion a year on electrification. Seems sensible. Actually, it's just under 800,000. Let's uh, 800 million. Let's not overblow it. Just under 800 million. But you can see that the benefits peak up quite quickly, um, pick up quite quickly. Again, your NPV breakthrough is still 2100. So actually, from a treasury perspective, if you're if you're talking about the gilts that we'll take out to fund this stuff. The break-even period is so. So, if we're looking just at the break-even, the quickest break-even is um, I think it's pathway five. So you're getting a break-even. Let's have a look. Uh, yeah, you're getting a break-even in sort of 20, 20, 2085 perhaps. Um, I think the numbers are actually in there, but I'm not going to read because my eyes are going fuzzy. Um, so you can see there. That those are useful graphs. They're, they're interesting, useful graphs. Um, da -da -da -da. Being realistic with those choices, the treasurer will pick option five. Yeah, I fear you're right, but we need to. That's why we need to be pushing the importance of decarbonisation rapidly. Um, right, I've. Uh, oh yeah, Ella, the developer, is asking about overhead lines being impacted by heat. Uh, yeah, they 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 sag and buckle and and you have similar problems with the railway with rail. So um, 
yeah, lots of lots lots of issues with higher temperatures. Uh, in fact, I think uh, yeah, Gordon's been answering that. Nice one. Thanks, Gordon. Right. Anyway, right. So we're going to keep fleeing through this analysis of outputs. So lots of discussion about various things here. So I'm not going to dwell on these, but it just talks about the various benefits and goes into some of the benefits. And if you really want to build in a good essay, if you want, if you want to use this as homework for explaining why electrification is a good idea, if any of you there are doing kind of homework or project work on this, then um, then I'd recommend, I'd heartily recommend uh, this this body of data that's very useful. Uh, you can see, okay, lots of breakdowns across. So I'm going to go through the sensitivities. I'm going to flick through that um, and flick through the limitations as well. So, so I'm, uh, yeah, I'm not too worried about that. I think I've, I've talked loosely about it. There's some discussion here about um, the, the, the capital cost here. Um, actually, can I just, can I very quickly, because I sent these to a certain friend, uh, friendly editor recently, and they're good numbers to reference in terms of capital cost. Uh, we'll let that load for now. So you can see uh, more comparisons of various bits and pieces, the pathways here, uh, and then kind of, yeah, lovely, all that good stuff. Uh, where are you, Mr. PS? Lovely. So good stuff. Okay, then the commercial case. Now I'm going to hammer through the commercial case. So you can see this is about supply chain capability. Um, this is discussion again about what the supply chain can actually successfully deliver. Um, so... Noel Dolphin, I think, put this graph together originally. Um, but there is now a much better version that I'm hoping we will see. Gary, are you actually watching? Is Gary Keener watching by any chance? He probably he might not be. He's a busy chap. Uh, Gary, I think, hopefully has a, an STK graph that runs right back to Jon Olden days. That I'm, hoping, uh, that I'm hoping he'll give me some flattened data so I can at least create some graphs of my own. Because I think that data will be really interesting. Um, the raw data, not not the stuff by by route, but just the kind of the raw numbers per year. I think would be very interesting to be in the public domain. Um, duh, 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 supply chain capability. This is still discussing discussing the capability of the supply chain to deliver. Um, yeah. So the last time that we reached anything kind of um, up to sort of four hundred and fifty single track kilometers back in the days of electrifying, uh, sort of well, it was you know during, during CP five, but that was a you know that was painful. It was a very painful process. So. The supply chain needs to be ready, and so that's why a rolling program is so important because you get that ramp up. If you go back to these figures here, you can see that there is a ramp up. It doesn't happen over, overnight. You probably have a few years of getting the getting the supply chain into shape. And actually, the longer Treasury waits to sign off on this, the more pain there's going to be. The longer it's going to take the supply chain to ramp up because, as we speak, we're hemorrhaging electrification engineers. It's happening now. Um, right. So. Let's see, do, 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 do. where were we? So here's the financial case. Again, financial case, yep. So here's a case study, enabling efficient electrification. So this is discussing, this is a good case study, and it's talking about some of the things that you can um, do that, that help um, that, that help reduce headline costs, headline capital costs. Actually, for me, again, headline capital costs aren't so important, although they are important in the stupid business case for Treasury. Um, but they are... Costs are rep they are analogous to complexity, and complexity does slow the process down. So pulling some of this stuff out, avoiding doing some of the work that we did have to do even five years ago that we don't now, thanks to things like surge arresters, um, enables some clever stuff in terms of reducing complexity. So ignore costs, but reducing complexity, which means you can electrify quicker, which is good. Um, there we go, lovely. So th that's just talking about some some kind of analogies and and. EU regulations, and, and so rightly so, there's some challenges of the need for 1.8 metre high bridge parapets. Um, 
you know, standards are there to be challenged. If you can, standards is just is just a standard way of managing a risk profile. It's it's a standardized manner of risk management. As Bridget Eikhoff says, if you can show that you're managing the risk appropriately, but in a different way, then you can deviate from the standard. That's fine. And if you do, if enough people agree with that process, it, chances are that your proposed method of, of of managing the risk differently will get taken on and absorbed as an alternative to. Uh, you know, it'll be absorbed and potentially become the new standard. You know, that, that's how this stuff works. Standards don't stand still. Um, there we go. So the various pathways here, you can see the, the capital cost over time. So uh, actually, the, the capital cost, the, the infrastructure capital cost there is reaching 1.8 billion um, for, I presume that's pathway four there. So so the, the, the MPV graphs are showing something slightly different. I presume there's some discounting going on for the very, it's more complex picture, whereas this is just, this graph here, figure 25 is, is looking at the pure, um, uh, yeah, the pure, yeah, you can see there, it's looking at the pure infrastructure capital costs. Uh, moth just flew past me. Uh, they eat clothes, so I'm afraid there's a bit of moth genocide going on there before your very eyes. Horrifying. So, uh, financial case, yeah, so right. I'm going to conclude the financial case by quoting some numbers at you that aren't explicitly written in the report, but hopefully are useful. So if you look at the top end costs, these are capital costs, the top end, so not looking at the bracket, but just looking at the highest possible cost, um, the total infrastructure only cost in the worst case scenario is £30 billion. And that's for delivery up to 2040. So that's not that high if you break it down by the numbers. Um, the rolling stock cost, because obviously there's an implication, in, there's an implied need to then renew a load of diesel rolling stock, is £21 billion over a similar period. So you're looking at a total capex of £51 billion in 2020 uh, kind of prices uh, for this in terms of dealing with infrastructure and rolling stock. £51 billion. So that's not actually explicitly written in the report anywhere, probably very sensibly. But I think it's useful to... That's not very much money. As I say, HS2's cost of whatever it is, 88 billion, it's 100 billion, whatever you want to call it, say the price is, the 88 billion or 100 billion or whatever price you quote for HS2 is not that much in the grand scheme of things. And so 51 billion is certainly not, and we should be doing both. So um, there is no reason to not, but again, capital costs are basically free, like that's free money. So there's no reason for that to, to not be, given that it then reduces the daily outgoings, which is the stuff that you need to not have totally ridiculous and runaway. You know, it reduces your running costs. So this is basically a way to a free way to reduce running costs. So we should be doing it, and also in the process create a huge skilled workforce. It's good stuff. Anyway, right? Okay, management case. Oh God. Okay, so this is probably talking about. Um, let's see. Da, 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 da. Right, yeah, programming and how you actually build the program and when you do what when. So this is sort of looking like what the what the program of decarbonisation might look like and sort of, you know, da, 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 how they break it down. God, yeah, so governance, uh, da, da, this is all fairly dry stuff. I'm not going to dwell on synergies. Oh, golly. Talking about, you know, uh, better understanding across the supply chain. Uh, what's this? Yeah, so program delivery for the recommendations made. Da, 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 da. It's clear that, that there's going to be more focus on this in the in the the, the, the full business case that will kind of uh, be issued later this year. Theoretically, it's October that's coming out. Um, so there's continued work. Basically, it's about more con continued work with the industry and supply chain to make sure that the program is sensible and that it's realistic, but that everyone's got buying into it. I'm going to pause. Right, lovely. Okay, so this is discussing other bits and pieces here. Yep, governance frameworks. Yada yada yada. Lovely stuff. Right, Whew. appendix two, we are now on to, so this looks like we're into the appendices, oh my gosh, right, Whew. right, so let's very briefly pause, allow me to have some cold tea.
We are, let's have a look at this. Um, um, we're, we're an hour and seven minutes in. Who's with us? We've got 96 viewers still, crikey. Um, so we've got, let's see, uh, da, 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 da. Ah, lack of investment is selfish. Older people not wanting to invest in the future of younger people or indeed absolutely yeah so it's very true uh, david basically the treasury is not interested in investing in the future very true uh da, 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 da. gordon's not a fan of nuclear power uh, that's fair enough uh, i am a big fan of nuclear power uh do, 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 do. although maybe he's just referring to weapons who knows right freight gauge clearance is a very good side effect yes there's some some people saying that so we got through the main report in an hour one hour and seven minutes but unfortunately the fun stuff which is the maps and the appendices uh is probably going to take a bit longer i'm going to try and hammer through fairly quickly i hope i hope i hope let's see so lots of stuff here um uh, let me just uh do this sorry uh because i'm having my chat being spammed a little bit there uh let's see Sarah Noble points out that you have to synergize the mind chain. Absolutely right, Sarah. Couldn't put it better myself. Um, right. Whew, I, need a ther I need a rail matter branded thermos flask. Yeah, very good point. Are rolling stock costs on top of the existing renewals? Um, I think it's assuming... The baseline is assuming where we were, so it's not including some of the new announcements that have been made. I think we've reached the end of the current tranche of, of rolling stock um, uh, bids. And now, you know, there's, I think we're now at the point where anything that's new is happening. So, for example, East Midlands Railway and Avanti fleets, I don't think they're included in this. I don't know. Someone else might be able to answer that, actually. Um, let's see. Right. People are, reckoning that, people are reckoning that this is going to be the longest rail matter. Well, it might, it might be. It might be. We're going to try, not, to try and avoid that, though. So, um, this is some overview of the... Of the various bits and bits. So I'm going to skip Appendix 1, I'm skipping, because it's just a basically broad discussion of the sorts of services that run in the different regions. Appendix 2, very useful by the way, Appendix 2, you'll like this, so if you want it, you can reference it. Um, it's a reference to, it doesn't have the numbers of vehicles, sadly, because that'd be brilliant, but it does have um, all of the different stock, the formations of the stock, when it was entered, when it entered service, and the operators, So, and, and that's everything, so it's a nice one to look at. Um, uh, to reference, this is the against the baseline case, includes uh, locomotives as well. Um, here we are, uh, looking at the programme. Okay, Appendix 3 is about the non-traction programme, so that's all this other stuff. Right, here we go. Appendix 4, the sub-regional context and the emissions targets. So, this is about, so there's some stuff about local clean air zones, some broader stuff about decarbonisation plans from TFN, uh, the various other transport boards, and, and, and so this is for Transport for the North, broadly talking about their big plans lovely so that's given some useful context although um whoever put these whoever set this up and i think i might know who it is if you're watching uh why have you done the this fade boxes come on it looks naff you could have you could oh, come on also is this calibri i think it might be so i'm down marking you for this uh this should be nice firm boxes in the style of the executive summary with a nice fixed green solid green and stuff you know this looks a bit naff you could have done better with this come on um it's fine though you know these, these are a bit, they're, they're a bit busy, these, but it's just providing a bit of extra context, so fine. Uh, Midlands Connect, England's Economic Heartland, what a stupid name. Uh, lovely. Transport East, they exist. Oh, they do. Didn't even know that was a thing. Hooray, Transport East. I'll have to I'll have to include them in my list of um, uh, subnational transport body names. Transport East, there we go. TFL, there we are. Transport for the South East, Western Gateway. 
Is that what they're calling the subnational transport board? What? Oh, this is this one. Ah, okay. Western Gateway is the one for the one bit, the Bristol-ish area. Peninsula Transport is the one further down. Okay. Oh, well, this is useful for me to change the names of the various subnational transport bodies on my um, what the future of the railways post-franchising is. Interesting. Right. Anyway, I digress. Uh, don't be mean, because whoever is doing, whoever created those might well be in the chat, because I know who it might be. So, Mike, don't don't, don't be mean, uh, even though I was just mean. Um, right. Uh, people are talking about Rail Natter merch. That, go onto the Discord and discuss the best place to do that, because I, frankly, I mean, I have my depth on that front. Um, I can provide you all the relevant graphics if you decide uh, how to do it um, in the Discord. Oh, I was a cup of tea. I'm, I'm going to just down this. Wait a minute. John and everyone who's listening to this in podcast form, I am so sorry. Mm. Oh, I needed that. It's a lot of talking to be done. Two hours of solid talking. Right. Appendix 5, strategic and economic benefits. No, sack that. Not interested. I mean, I am interested, but there, there are useful references to, to people can pull the stuff out there if they want to. Traction types, technical summary. Ooh, crikey. Here we go. So this is a summary of the different traction types and the benefits or disbenefits of each. Uh, again, I'm going to whiz through it, but there's some quite interesting stuff in there. So, you know, there's some nice graphics about the, the processes and the efficiencies associated with each. That's, that's some really interesting stuff there. Um, yeah, nice. That's oh, this, this, this is a solid bit of appendix, actually. Useful context. Just shows how powerful this report's going to be. There's some stuff explaining the differences between different types of... Um, yeah, that's fascinating. Anyway, it's fascinating, but it's not what we're going to focus on. There's some stuff about hydrogen. Appendix 7, embodied carbon and ethics. So this is this is a very important section, particularly on batteries. This is considering the um, the chemical mixtures and minerals required to create batteries. So there's a very important point. They're saying the vast majority of these minerals are found in sort of, or, or they're mined in pretty ethically dubious conditions, um, putting money into the pockets of some reasonably dubious um, uh, governments, uh, and generally resulting in more exploitation of, uh, of, kind of of other people, of native people, and and of, of and in a lot of cases of our former colonies as well. So people that we've previously exploited that we should really not be exploiting anymore, uh, and yet here we are doing it again. So there's a lot to think about when it comes to batteries, and that's and I'm glad they've picked up on the importance and the fact that the that the reality is that recycling and disposal of batteries and the reuse of traction batteries uh, and all these things to to minimise the need for new kind of new uh, kind of raw materials is really important so i'm glad they've discussed this it's really important so this needs to be accounted for um electrification mostly uses steel copper and concrete so you've got to think about embodied carbon so the the the, the, the modeling of that is very important um so this is interesting so a sample single track kilometer of electrification was generated within the rssb rail carbon tool very useful tool which we talked about with prab previously uh, on a previous rail natter, suggests the embodied carbon per route kilometer, a uh, bit of a spelling mistake there, is on average, uh, uh, could is on average, could be, is on average, around 680 tons of CO2. So that's an interesting one. How much? 680 tons. So that's a useful number. It needs some context, I think. So maybe that's one for me to pull out and create and, and have a think about what that, you know, what the equivalent um, kind of uh, cost is for a length of motorway or a length of... Yeah, that, that's, that's one to think about, actually. It's interesting. Um, so the discussion about ethics. There we are. So good stuff. Appendix 8. Um, recommendations, regional breakdown. Here we go. So... 
Oh, that was my fingers for everyone who's uh, uh, listening in podcast form only. This is the good stuff. This is where we're going to do some chatting. Um, right. Whew. Any before we get started on this. Uh, yes, there we go. Some some uh, comic papyrus even. Uh, yes, apologies. Apologies for the dead air while drinking. Uh, people, yeah, that's me. Sorry. Uh, right. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Uh, is a Discord link? Is a, oh, let me just. I'm just going to put the Discord link in, which is garethdennis.co.uk slash Discord. That is the Discord link. garethdennis.co.uk slash Discord. So that's where a lot of the magic is happening. So you can go in there, click on that, and uh, you'll. That link has not worked. But anyway, go in there and you, you, you get the link and you find yourself in Discord. Um, I'm just going to just do this again because. I'm uh, getting a lot of spam from a certain individual. Uh, right, so lots of discussion here. So, good. Discussion's going on here. Lovely, 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 lovely. Right, any acting of me? No, no, no one. Good, lovely. Oh, uh, yes. Oh, that's a good point. I should promote some people to moderators. There we go. I've done it. I've done it with one of the people. That, there we are. That's good. Uh, right, marvellous. Just have a breath of fresh air there. Um, thanks for everyone in the chat. There's some good st- good discussions going on as I've gone through. This is basically a breakdown. And I'm going to skip Scotland, not because I'm... I mean, I'm Scottish, I'm allowed to, but we've chatted a little bit about it before, I think, already. And I think also it's pretty obvious what's happening, which is they're wiring everything except the West Highland, except the line to Stranraer, the, the, the Far North and the Carl Kalsh line. That makes sense. So, happy days. But this is the beef... Here we go. So we're now going to start talking about the North East, North Yorkshire and Humberside. The following single options. So first, this is broken into two sections. It's broken into the single option solutions and the multiple option solutions. And just because electrification isn't mentioned in the single option solutions doesn't mean it then isn't mentioned in the multiple option solutions later. So we're going to go through them sequentially, um, which might be a bit of a, a, a bit of a buckled way to do it and maybe doesn't make a huge amount of sense. Um, it'd be nice if I'd maybe paired the rearranged the PDF and paired the single and multiple options into one. Maybe maybe that's something we can do in the future. But this is the way it's in the report, so we're going to go through it that way. So you can see here on the map, we've got a nice zoomed-in version, and it's showing us. Uh, so anything in green is just getting blasted with wires. So you can see in the northeast. So that's covering you know Newcastle down to Leeds, York. Um, so Newcastle Morpeth gets wired. Uh, and that's going via, that's going the kind of the loop uh, around the other way, uh, not not obviously the East Coast Main Line, which is already wired. Newcastle Carlisle is wired. The Durham Coast is getting wired. Middlesbrough to, um, I say is getting wired, I mean, should get wired is what I mean. So count that as a correction from here on uh, going forwards. So, um, Ellis Screaming. Uh, Oh, you've got a spanner next to your name. Is it because you're a spanner, or is it because I pressed buttons? I think it might be because I pressed buttons. Um, David Shepard said, I missed an earlier question. Does OLE need to be done on a talk-by-talk basis to allow fleets of electric trains to be bought? To an extent, yes. Um, uh, yes. Uh, I will set more uh, moderators, by the way, because I don't know how... Uh, I don't know how... I, when people appear who I recognise, I'll, mod- I'll set you as moderators, but broadly I'll do it as a Patreon people, who are the people who are... Patron supporters will be moderators, uh, as far as I recognise. If you want to be a moderator, tell me in Discord later on Patreon. Anyway, right, some of you might not want the responsibility. 
So you notice there's a yellow here for the Bishop Auckland to Darlington and Whitby uh, lines. So that's essentially a, th a sort of a bit of a, it's almost a, you know, so that's two routes really. So the line from Bishop Auckland to Darlington, from an operational perspective, that trains run through there, but actually it makes no sense because those trains have to cross the East Coast Main Line, which is operationally silly. So the, the Darlington Bishop Auckland line will become a shuttle and that will be a, uh, a battery shuttle. Likewise, uh, Borough to Whitby, that's going to be battery as well. So it's fairly sensible. You know, the, the route is short enough. Um, yeah, so that's good. Okay, cool. And there's the justification for this here. So what was that? Um, uh, so I, I can't remember which various sections. So this, this, these tables, I'm not going to go through them in great detail. I'm going to only focus on the ones that aren't electrification. Um, so you can, this allows you, to, so if you're going through, this is a good, this is basically the most important section of the report for you to look at. So uh, D is talking about Bishop Auckland to Darlington and um, also uh, Middlesbrough to Whitby. Um, the justification for that is that you've got these services operating Bishop Auckland to Teesside in North Yorkshire with the electrification of the wider Middlesbrough area in conjunction with C and E. So there's section C and E. It could be possible to achieve operations with, uh, with re recharging from this infrastructure. So basically the battery trains can recharge while they're under the wires. Um, uh, there we are. So some interesting stuff. Without this infrastructure, the deployment of hydrogen on either an interim or permanent basis would be more appropriate. So essentially, it's looking if you can't do interim recharging, or break the operation, you know, change the the, the way that services look, um, then hydrogen becomes more appropriate. Uh, but the presence of the Hitachi Rail Depot at Newton Aycliffe basically makes sense to wire that. Uh, so you might find that wiring goes up to Newton Aycliffe. So actually, you, 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 there's more wires appearing, and I have to say that would make the look of, of not having wires to, to Bishop uh, Auckland a, even a bit more weird. But anyway, battery for that. Right, this is a bit more dense and complicated, but you can see there's a lot of electrification going on here. So we're now at East Midlands, Yorkshire and Lincolnshire. So from Leeds down to Leicester, you know, Derby, Nottingham and out to Cleethorpes and, and a load of stuff. Kind of, and, and they put a big E on top of Hull, but Hull's there as well. Hull gets electrified. Uh, yeah, so east of Leeds gets electrified, complete no-brainer, full electrification of Leeds Suburban uh, network, um, East Coast Mainland to Hull, obviously, North Lincolnshire gets electrified, so lots of electrification. The only areas that don't get electrified is Ulsby, to, uh, is that Ulsby to Barton-on-Humber, so that's the that's north of Cleethorpe, so that's the funny little leg of railway line that, that's the other side of the, of the Humber from Hull. Um, H is Sheffield to Huddersfield, so that's the Penistone line i think is what it's called isn't it or it's the line that goes through peniston that is um uh, that's going to be using battery operation and the matlock branch again battery operation kind of makes sense i think so if we go through and have a look so what was that that was ehk so battery for barton on humber to cleethorpe provides a local passenger service it's a short branch line so if you assume electrification of the rail to to cleethorpe as far as i'll speak um with charging facilities at barton on humber um, so electrification beyond could be considered, but the reality is that you'd use battery operation there. Again, battery, so, so local passenger services that run in a shuttle um, between Sheffield and Huddersfield, it makes sense for those to be battery as well with charging at either end. <coughs> oh, I'm getting hoarse. Oh dear, oh, I just hit the mic as well. Sorry, everyone. I can't believe 100 people are still watching. Um, uh, yeah, so oh, let's have a look. Uh, duh, 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 duh. And then the next is the yeah the short the short branch line from Matlock to Derby. So basically, the section that goes from the middle of Main Line to Matlock makes sense to be battery operation. I think that's it's pretty sensible. I think. 
Um, and you can see that a lot of these, you can see the amount of freight that is used. Wait a minute, let me just mute this. Crikey. Oh, lose my voice already. It's a good job that I've got a full um, pint of water here. Oh, no, no, I do not. Never mind. So, uh, yep, that's fine. Lots of electrification. Right, now we're on to Anglia. So, this is where things look different. So, there's, there's still a good chunk of electrification. So, uh, so there we've got... Uh, what is F2MN? Let me have a think. Felix still to... Uh, oh, crikey, F2MN. Who's helping? F2MN. What's F2MN? Help me. Uh, here we go. So... Thames Gateway link, so that's obvious. I, it's funny, I worked on gauge clearance analysis for that a long time ago as part of West Anglia Mainline uh, uh, gauge clearance. I wonder if that work ever happened. I got moved off it and into, well, I left the company actually in the end. Uh, so I wonder if they picked that up. Anyway, if they have, that'll make their life a lot easier because it was all, all included passive provision for electrification. <coughs> uh, e, cross London freight, yep, that needs electrification. Uh, so Felixstowe to Ipswich is wired. And the eastern section of that, uh, so basically through to, connecting through to Cambridge. Actually, that's um, all, all the pink dotted areas, by the way, are, we're going to come back to. Those are the multiple options, but uh, but you can see there, wiring has been pr proposed, actually. Uh, yeah, so lots of wires. But the, our first bit of hydrogen is the Norfolk and Suffolk coast. So, uh, aha! All the areas up there. Um, all of you know Partridge's stomping ground is going to be having hydrogen. That'll cheer. That'll cheer Partridge up, no end. Uh, right. So let's skip to that. So yeah, section A. Passenger services uh, radiate out of Norwich to Great Yarmouth, lowest often the North Nor North Norfolk coast. <laughs> uh, there are also regional services from lowest off to Ipswich. Uh, the distances between Norwich and these areas are right on the edge of battery capability currently. Uh, so it's basically too far for particularly for the diagrams, not necessarily the pure distances, but the diagrams. So what the train has to do in a day is too far for battery capability. So you're looking at hydrogen. So yeah, the diagram of this service will result in hydrogen being more appropriate. There's also a growing hydrogen economy in the lowest off area. So if you, so I'd recommend regarding hydrogen economy, go and listen to the second half of the rail matter with, um, with Mike, uh, where we talk about, Mike Muldoon, where we talk about uh, the hydrogen economy and what that means. It's actually very, very interesting, and I'd recommend it. It's not perfect from a, an emissions perspective, but it's a good transition. Um, yeah, go and have a look at that. It's good stuff. Uh, and obviously, there's some intermittent, there's some infrequent freight services, so this would require a bimode locomotive, which would inc may incur residual diesel emissions if diesel is used as the secondary bimode option. Yep, so there's, it's not perfect. It's not a perfect solution. Um, but that's that's what the the reports come up with, which is fairly sensible. You know, there's this intermittent freight, so that's fair enough. And if you think talking about the intermittent, these tiny little freight emissions is, is just not as important than the bigger picture. So even if you did end up running freight for a long time on those, actually, it's not the end of the world. It is not the end of the world. And and you know, in, in thirty years, we might well have alternative bimodes. You know, the, the bimode technology might have moved on, so on and so forth. You might find yourself with a heavy haul. Uh, Locom you know, cocoa locomotive that doesn't need to be wired into the into the into the into the grid. <sighs> Southern, right? This is this gets interesting. So on here, you can see we've got three green dots. Basingstoke, Reading gets wired, no brainer. Uh, south coast to Salisbury that gets wired, that's a no brainer. And the West of England line uh, is a no brainer. Uh, so that all makes good solid sense. Uh, you know, lots of uh, decent decent volume. Of, obviously, the 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 Basingstoke Reading stuff is a lot of freight, so absolute no. That should be wired. Likewise, uh, so basically, all these use 
you know, the, the, the route out to Exeter, that is one of the, should be one of the main intercity routes in the UK. It isn't, it's mental that it isn't, but uh, it should be electrified. So it's, it's, uh, if they're going to increase the frequency, it needs to be wired. So that's, that's all good stuff. So Western and the Southwest, here we go. We're on the, we're in the peninsula. My, uh, my, my dad's side of the family reside from this particular neck of the woods. So lots of little green dots, which is good. So the area around Bristol, lots and lots of wiring, lots and lots of wiring. And you can see two yellow uh, battery reference, kind of battery branch, uh, kind of battery branch lines. So uh, K is for the Cornwall branches down there and C up here is the Thames Valley branches. So because those run as shuttles, if they were running directly into London, into Paddington, then it, they'd be wired. It would make sense for them to be wired. But because they are um, short branch lines that run as a shuttle service, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong on that, they justify, or potentially operationally, they might it might be sensible to run them that way. Um, battery makes sense because it's a short run and the diagram's quite short. So, and I think that's what's said here. So battery, so C, yeah. A number of short branch lines which operate from the GWML uh, in the Thames Valley area. These provide shuttle services to stations off the Great Western Main Line due to the relative length of the routes. It's recommended that battery applications deployed. Makes sense. And then the other battery uh, battery stuff is down in Cornwall. They appear well suited for battery technology being short, self-contained and generally served by dedicated platforms, which are relatively easy to provide with the necessary recharging facilities. So pretty cost effective way of, of decarbonizing is to get batteries in that stock. You know, the, 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 the Viva Rail stock is probably well suited to those sorts of operations, actually. Um, there are some metro proposals in the area uh, connecting UK and Falmouth uh, via Par and Truro. So. Um, electrification of the mainline section would allow the branch lines to operate with battery traction, so you have some flexibility there. Um, several of the Cornish branches are used by China Clay and construction materials traffic. Again, it's infrequent enough that it doesn't justify wiring, but it, is, it exists and you'd need some form of bi-mode operation. And those are, if it's China Clay, I presume that's pretty, and construction materials traffic, that's pretty heavy, it's heavy haul, so you, you, you do need a pretty heavy, uh, at the moment, you know, you're looking at diesel, you know, I presume that's 66 hauled stuff, correct me if I'm wrong on that. Um, uh, so, let's have a look. Yeah, Windsor certainly a shuttle, good stuff. Cornish brand is perfect for, for battery. I'm going to pause there just to let my... Uh, let's not pause there, let's keep going actually. I'll pause when we get to the end of these sections. So, <clears throat> Wales. Lots of electrification. What time is it? Oh, half eight, crikey. We're, what is it? One and a half hours exactly. One, one hour thirty just happened. I'm so sorry to everyone who's watching this and is... We've dropped down to 93, which I think is fair enough. People might come and watch it later. So, North Wales coast, uh, electrification along the whole of North Wales coast. Electrification, Chester and Cruton North, Newport, Cardiff, Swansea, obviously. So basically, full electrification to everything on the South, on the South Wales coast attached to the main line. It's a no-brainer. So, uh, fantastic work on that getting scrapped and cancelled. Nailed it. Wrexham Bidston, however, is going to be battery operation. Let's see the justification for that. So it's just a line that uses local passenger service. It's just shuttle local passenger services. There's limited freight traffic serving the cement and steel facilities on the route. So again, you have the same problem in the previous, that, that there is freight, but not quite enough to tip it over the edge and to require electrification. Um, so battery operation there. Right, the West Midlands. Everything is to be wired, essentially. Absolutely everything needs wiring. So you can see there's even these multiple option things. You can see there's... there's, there's um, <laughs> Uh, being specified for wiring but anyway wiring 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 wires everywhere in the west midlands it's just all the west midlands is the core of everything freight passenger it's just busy with stock trains everywhere you need to wire it all simple as that so we can skip through that nice and quickly and the northwest actually is a similar picture so all of the single option stuff there are some things that we'll pick up in the multiple option but all the single option stuff is just wires 
You know, uh, Newcastle Carlisle we've already touched on. Skipped and settled Carlisle. Uh, that is wired. Hellerfield Bolton. Wires, 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 absolutely everywhere. The, again, the Northwest is a very intensively used area in terms of particularly passenger stock, but also freight as well. Lots of cross-country freight flows. So, wires all round. <sighs> Time to have a breath. So let's have a look at. Let's have a look at the. Um, let's have a look at the chat. So, any any questions coming through? Uh, have they mentioned anything about using regenerative braking on new electric trains? I think most new electric trains use regenerative braking. Other people might correct on that. Um, Sarah Noble, you're right. Brown hydrogen is just fossil fuels with extra steps. Uh, it removes uh, emissions at point of use, and it's a useful it's a useful transition. I, I'd, hydrogen has its place as a as a transition. Uh, the, I'd recommend watching the rail natter with hydrogen. It's, it's useful. I, hopefully, it provides useful kind of answers for that. I, I, I agree that it is just not the solution in most cases, which this report agrees with too. So, there is a place for it, even if it's a transitory state. So, Thomas Woods pointing out about the China clay flows um, running to Stoke. Yeah. Uh, what's the dotted line near C? Oh, I'm a bit late. We'll come back to the dotted lines. They're all the multiple option stuff. So, we'll um, we'll come back to some of that. Uh, right. So. Yeah, electric spine. No one take, has taken responsibility for electric spine. No one can remember what who who actually used the the name and what that. It was like a nice aspiration, but I think it got kind of broadly forgotten. Um, let's have a look. Right, so now we're into the multiple options. This is where things are a bit more tenuous. So, and we'll kind of look at the table. So we got the map here. So we got Saltburn, Middlesbrough. Um, there, these these colours are not particularly clear. But actually, Saltburn, Middlesbrough looks like it justifies electrification. Scarborough, York. So the Scarborough question. That often gets referred to, I'm pleased to say, as I always thought it would be, is answered by, no, actually, it needs to be wired if you use this, do your sums properly. You need to wire it. Um, and then you can see that the, there's battery used for, so they're suggesting battery, this will annoy a lot of people, for uh, the Harrogate line. So between Harrogate and York, they're suggesting uh, battery usage. So the reason for that will be because you'd have, um, so you'd be under the wires for uh, up to Harrogate, and so you can charge on that stretch, and then it's fairly lightly loaded on the other the other leg. So that's that's the multiple options sort of tenuous situation. But they're proposing battery for that. They're also proposing battery north of Beverly. So you can see there, battery uh, is proposed to go up to, from north of Beverly to Scarborough. So there we go. So you can see electrification is being proposed in a lot of situations, but battery between Harrogate and York. Um, used by a mixture of stopping and semi-fast services by Northern and LNER. So essentially, because you've got long-distance services using the line up to Harrogate, it justifies having um, it justifies the use of full electrification there. But then, so that basically, this it's a bit of a tenuous one. They say uh, if that was going to be used as a potential diversion route between York and Leeds, then electrification should be progressed throughout. But for, and so it's, the, the wording they use is electrification to at least Harrogate is recommended. Um, and then again, they, they kind of so so they're saying that the route from Beverly to Scarborough it's over fifty miles. So it's approaching the maximum capability of current battery technology, but will be able to be operated using this based on battery development forecasts and electrification as far as Beverly. So you have to electrify as far as Beverly to get battery to work there. So it's interesting. So um, there's a discussion of Kings Cross to Beverly services, which is a bit bonkers. But um, you know, I'm. You might have noticed I'm not a huge fan of uh, not a huge fan of direct services because they make a right mess of the timetable. I prefer hub and spoke operation, but there we go. Anyway, <sighs> so 
Uh, did someone say what F2MN is, by the way? Felix Doe to... What, what is it? What is it? I'll, 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 I'll slap my head when you tell me what it is. But at my name in so I can spot it. Right. So here we go. So we're now at East Midlands, Yorkshire, Lincolnshire, and some of the multiple options. So um, this is looking at... So the Deep Car Freight Branch uh, on P is proposed for full electrification. Skegness Grantham is proposed for full electrification. Derby to Stoke-on-Trent, which for me is an absolute no-brainer, is proposed for electrification. The reason being, um, uh, its freight-only route has some traffic that is infrequent. Um, da -da 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 -da. Topography of the route means that there is significant grade for freight traffic to overcome. Electrification is likely to be the optimal solution. So basically, even though it's freight-only with some intermediate traffic, there is no way to there is no way to decarbonize it, and there are also local there are aspirations to introduce passenger services back onto that that branch. That's the bit that goes up towards Woodhead. It's the kind of the former Woodhead route. Um, it's a weavy little mess. Uh, you know, see the Woodhead episode of Rail Matter. Uh, electrification for all of them. So it just talks about the fact that they, they, uh, it's approaching the maximum range of battery operations <clears throat> may require hydrogen on current operational capability if it's not electrified, but their freight flows may, pushes it towards electrification. And the aspirations for increasing the frequency of the uh, Stoke-on-Trent, you know, Derby Stoke-on-Trent to crew route means that it needs to be electrified. There's no, no avoiding it. Uh, and also allows it to be gauge cleared uh, as a freight route to uh, basically allow access to the West Coast the main line from the Midlands. So, again, more reason to electrify. And again, okay, we're in Anglia. And again, you'll see some of these intermediate routes recommend being electrified. So Norwich Ely, no, they're saying electrify it. Newmarket to Cambridge, electrify it. The Sudbury branch, even that little branch line, is suggested being electrified. And again, it's um, <clears throat> the only area in the whole region which would use battery. This would require... Uh, so they're, they're thinking about fleet sizes for this one. So this is down at... Um, so this is the, the Sudbury branch. A tiny little fleet in a pocket of everywhere else being electrified makes no sense, particularly if you're then going to extend services up off the Great Eastern Main Line. So it makes sense to electrify it to avoid having a tiny little bespoke fleet on some silly little pocket. Um, you, actually, the overall whole life cost of that that line and the operation and the fleet makes sense to electrify it. And likewise, um, thinking into the future on the other on the other sections, it's just actually these are intense plan for intensive use, so it needs to be electrified. Right, this is where things get a bit more fiddly. We're down at the southern south area, and this is looking at all right. Here we go. Right, lots of while, while we've got the southern south, Midlands in the north. Ah, okay, Felixstowe to Midlands in the north. Gotcha. That's embarrassing. Uh, yep, that's about as embarrassing as I'd expected it to. Um, duh, 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 duh. Worth retentioning. Well, that's one for Gary Keane or uh, Ella uh, chatting about retentioning the um, retentioning the OLE to be in line with Europe. It's a, that's a complicated picture, frankly. Uh, duh, 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 duh. There we go. Uh, Graham Howarth is asking if I noticed they suggested Bionic Duckweed is reserved for shipping uh, and not trains. Um, Buy mode for shipping and not trains. Yeah, yeah. Do you mean not passengers? I, yeah, not quite following you there, Graham. Uh, forgive me, it's late and I'm tired. Uh, that's my fault, not yours. David Shepard, will they be able to convert battery trains to OLE later? I think in a lot of the cases, the battery trains they're talking about are actually by kind of by mode electric and battery. So you might find that they can just convert it into having traction motors. I, I, I'm not sure on that one actually. Actually, if it's if it's just filling a battery. Uh, yeah, not sure on that one. It depends, and I, I suppose that would get cascaded as more electrification happened because you, you're going to have uh, you're going to have it's not going to appear like this instantly. So you're going to have a cascade. You're going to have this constant flow of 
of uh, mixed operation. Uh, let's see. Okay, right. Good stuff. There's some discussion. Yeah, Roman Adocrat's answering the questions. Good stuff. Lovely job. Marvellous. Uh, lovely. Whew. Uh, we are losing viewers, rightly so. This is a long watch, uh, and so I don't hold anything against you if you're dropping off. Thanks very much for being with us if you're, if you're, if you're heading off. Um, basically, come back and watch this bit later. Uh, and, and to be honest, you can probably get this from going through the report yourself. Uh, I think we've kind of gone through the, the, the more descriptive bits. So you can see a lot of these bright pink sections for Southern, and this is where um, areas have been proposed for third rail electrification. Ooh. Uh, and then some other stuff, some battery operation, Dorchester to Castle Cary, and, um, and some hydrogen, I think. Is that, oh no, that's not, Southampton Basingstoke, what's that reference? What's K referencing, what is that? Oh, further work required. Ah, this is one of the areas that is requiring um, consideration because currently it's third rail, but there's a consideration to it is, so it is electrified, but it, it it really ought to be electrified with um, overheads. So that's kind of why that's got a funny color. Is because it it's sort of a bit of a mm, we have electrified it, but we think we might need to do it again with new stuff. So that's why that's there. Basically, the point being, it's already decarbonized, but for, there's obviously huge freight flow along that line, and so um, yeah, thoughts. So th this section talks a lot about. Um, Okay, it's saying third rail or battery for some of these uh, sections. Um, so there's a mixture going on here, but the reality is that, uh, so they're saying infill third rail um, electrification is basically a continuing, it's based on what work comes out with this study with the RSSB and the ORR looking at the risk case about that. So that's, that's really why this is saying third rail or battery. It's an edge case, but they're essentially saying the reality is that putting third rail in is probably the right thing to do. Um, but it depends on the risk case. Because if the risk case, the safety case comes back and said we just cannot justify the safety the risks associated with putting third rail down, then fair enough, they have to look at battery. So that's Southern. Um, what, was, what was I looking at there? Oh, the Dorchester to Castle Cary stuff. That was H, wasn't it? Uh, this route is used by a regional service between Weymouth and Exeter and Bristol, assuming the route's under... Yeah, so assuming there's some electri electrification, then trains that can kind of go between electrified recharge under the wires and then use battery power would use that, fair enough. Right, we're back in the peninsula. Here we are, we're back down in the southwest, the far southwest. And Seven Beach to Bristol Temple Meads is recommended for electrification. Uh, part of Newquay is recommended for full electrification, partly relating to the metro proposals, but also the frequency of service up to Newquay. And excitingly, Barnstable to Exmouth is proposed for electrification, which is good uh, because it's planning because actually it's quite busy and they do run fairly frequent services. And there are plans, longer-term plans to upgrade that substantially. They are looking at electrification. So what was that M? So you can see this route is recommended as an a candidate for full electrification otherwise hydrogen, because it's not ideally suited for battery operation. Uh, it's long distance travel. It's got reasonably high speed performance required. You know, it goes up to 85 miles an hour and it's being planned. Yeah, that's being planned. So they're, they're gonna, there's an, a line speed improvement about to 85 being planned on the route, even though it's very weavy as it goes up the up the valley, up the, alongside the River X. Um, do, 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 uh, actually, it's not the X at that end, is it? It's the other side, so it's the Tor. The tour, the tour, is the tour and the tour, uh, whichever one comes through Barnstable. I should know that. I literally grew up there. Anyway, uh, half grew up there. Right, so, da, 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 da. yeah, so managing operational, you know, running the current timetable um, with battery would be almost impossible. Um, 
and there are potentials for even more improvements with, with you have uh, you know, so so wiring is just relevant there's discussion of um, reinstatement of Ocampter Exeter and indeed uh, as I've been doing today some interesting stuff relating to reinstating Exeter Ocampton Plymouth via the northern route so it needs to be wired it makes makes total sense how, how are we doing we've got Wales West Midlands Wales West Midlands oh, here we go. okay right, right Wales so my parents are getting hydrogen there are hydrogen so that's Shrewsbury Mchanslef is hydrogen Pucheli to Aberystwyth is hydrogen Craven Arms to Llanelli is hydrogen but then battery from Llandidno to uh, Blenai Festiniog uh, which is because of the connection to the electric railway I think that's why likewise the Ebu Vale branch makes sense to be electric uh, to be hyd uh, hydrogen to be battery sorry so Ebu Vale branch battery but the, the stuff so the mid Wales uh, and so the, sorry the heart of Wales and then the Cambrian lines are hydrogen and that makes sense given their length uh, given the diagrams but they're not hugely intensively used so hydrogen makes sense as 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 the kind of the longer term longer term solution it's fair enough very similar to the kind of the west highland line and the, the way those are operated so i'm i'm all for that they make sense um there we go yeah yeah you can see uh marvelous right we're in the west midlands and you can see there weren't many edge cases but the ones that exist derby stoke on trent droitwich spa to is that how you say droitwich is that how it's said i've never really found myself saying it. i've read it a lot to Birmingham, Snow Hill, that's electrified. Stratford to Chiltern, to the Chiltern Main Line is electrified. And Marylebone to Aylesbury is electrified. So lots of electrification in the West Midlands. Just everything is getting electrified. It's getting blitz with electrification en masse. Uh, how are we doing? One hour 45. Good grief. Good grief. I'm getting, I'm getting exhausted now, as you might have noticed. Oh, let's have a, a, a brief momentary pause uh, to have a look at the discussion. Ella, absolute pleasure. Thanks for having. Uh, see you later, everyone. We've only lost ten. It's amazing that you're still with us, everyone. Thanks for the, for this. It's, I mean, it's, yeah. Uh, join the Discord for the extra chat. Um, David Shepherd asks, "Why is there not a railway down the west coast of Wales? Why does everyone need to go to England to go north and south?" I think there is, uh, in and of itself, a a rail matter in that discussion. Add it to the Discord poll, please, so I don't forget. Um, or pop it in the, in the Patreon chat. Um, but there, there used to be a connection between Aberystwyth and the Carmarthen. There's talk of reinstating it, but it's it's a rubbish alignment for an intercity. It would be very much a rural one. But, you know, it could make sense. Uh, yeah, whenever I went to Cardiff, it's like a five-hour journey because you have to go out to Shrewsbury and then back down to Cardiff. It's rubbish. Um, yeah, there isn't a connection. But the thing is, you the, the geography does not favour it because Wales is um, formed of lots of long valleys. So you'd have, you have to cross several hill ranges to get you know you have to cross a literal mountain range uh, there is actually conveniently a tunnel through to get to the Lanarchistinog but you're kind of stuck then there are mountain ranges crossing the north and hill ranges crossing the south so it's not very easy geography Wales isn't really geographically isn't a very good country on its own uh, sorry to all the Welsh independent people um, the, the independence fans and all the applied folk but geographically Wales isn't really suited to having its own dedicated sort of self-contained transport system uh, anyone who drives up and down the four, A470 can can be familiar with that right where were we the northwest all right this is this is one that's probably going to annoy a few people because but I, but I think it does make sense Windermere to Oxenholm is going to be battery operation not electrified um so this multiple on the Haitian Morecambe to the West Coast mainline, this is interesting. So if we just skip forward to Q, this is discussion. It's a mixed. It's very much mixed, and so they haven't marked it as. But it's it's sort of electrification to Morecambe and then battery beyond. 
because of the mixture of services that run on there. Um, and, you, and, and depending on some of the services that end up operating, including out to leads and, and so on, there's consideration that you might end up with um, operation of electric throughout just to get rid of the need for batteries at all. So, so there's, that's the reason that's pink is because it's quite a, it's very much a, an undecided, um, it's on the undecided list. Whereas all the other stuff, you've got some electrification on Colm Blackburn um, and the Mid-Cheshire lines, uh, yeah, east of the West Coast main line, that's kind of a, a bit of an obvious one. But then battery on the Mid-Cheshire line, east of the West Coast main line, on Southport Wigan, that would be battery operation. Um, and the Blackpool South branch will be battery operation. And again, it's because it's in amongst so much electrification, it makes sense operationally to use batteries. I think that's broadly what they'll say here. Because it's in amongst electrification, you can recharge under the wires. Uh, potentially it's a candidate. They, they have actually discussed there being candidates for very light rail. So um, if it was incorporated into the, into the Blackpool tram network, then uh, you might find that it'd be electrified in a different way. Uh, or it could be running battery. Yes, yeah, so, so there's a mixture of different recommendations there, but you can see that generally the influence of the amount of electrification steers you toward, and the short length of all these little titty bits steers you towards battery operation. Fair enough. Oh, and we're at the end. We're at the end of that. Oh, there we go. Um, there's some people saying they're staying to the end. Page 61 is the bionic duck for shipping. I'll have to skip back to that. Um, yeah, that part of Wales is mostly uh, National Parks area, you're right, absolutely. Holyhead to Cardiff has a subsidised flight, uh, so that seems ideal for a train, ignoring geography. Yeah, there currently is a train that runs, but obviously it's, it's like, it's the Gerath, right? Um, and it runs pretty slowly around that long loop uh, through Wales. It would be good to have a north-south line. If, if you know, if this is a, a, a normal northern European country, they would have, you know, they'd have gone mountains, so what? You just put tunnels in and you build a proper railway line. So there should really be a connection running north-south in Wales. Um, I, don't, I don't see any reason for it, but it shouldn't follow the existing or former routes. Those should be reserved for local operation. If you're going to build an intercity line north-south in Wales, maybe that's an, yet another rail matter. Uh, maybe that can be the Korean Easter Part 6 episode or something. Um, you'd do it very differently. You'd, you'd, you'd run down, the, you'd follow some of the core bits where there are valleys, potentially, and then join the dots with tunnels, to be honest. Oh, right, so here we are. These are the assumptions pages, Appendix 9, which I'm not going to dwell on. Uh, risks of insufficient capacity in the network to achieve required modal shift. So lots of discussions of high risks, so it's about capacity and da 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 da. Lots. I'm not going to dwell on these, there's just a lot there to think about. And then there's some sources of the, for the economic model, Appendix 10. Appendix, it feels like we're getting close to the end now. Page 247, Appendix 11, Acronyms and Glossary. And da, 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 that's the last page. Oh my goodness, it's the last page. Oh, golly and gosh. It's the last page. I'm gonna bring my big face up. How are we doing? One hour 50, we've got three minutes to not beat the, um, uh, to not beat the time. Am I gonna, am I gonna do this? I'm, I'm, I'm tired, this was a marathon. <laughs> Why did I decide this was a good idea? <laughs> oh, right. To summarise all of that, thanks everyone for sticking with us. I'm gonna I'm gonna get this closed off quickly because you've you've been brilliant for sticking with us, and hopefully that's been useful. In the chat, please tell me whether that was actually useful because I'm thinking of this as being a. If this is useful to flip through former reports, then um, I might do some more of it because I, I it's useful for me to learn, to know the report, and hopefully it's useful for all of us because it makes us all good lobbyists. Um, so, in total, there are currently uh, fifteen thousand four hundred unelectrified single track kilometers. So these are the stats that you need to remember. What the report recommends in total 
is of that 13,040 single track kilometers need to be electrified in the normal way. 800 single track kilometers need to use battery, are recommended for battery operation. Uh, 1,300 single track kilometers, 1,300 single track kilometers are recommended for hydrogen operation. And there remain kind of 260 single track uh, kilometers where the, an obvious solution still hasn't quite emerged, still hasn't quite, uh, you know, it requires further detailed analysis. Considering that's only 260 kilometers of 15,400, I don't think that's bad going. So it's a pretty assertive report about what needs to happen, of which the colossal majority is wires, 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 do wires. Wires are good. Um, it's, a, it's a good report. I think it's a solid report. It goes through a lot. There are some other useful outcomes from this. So this is, again, I've, I've ripped these out of, the, um, out of the executive summary sort of slide deck, which is quite good, the little PDF. Um, this is important. Any proposed new railway should consider the need to operate using zero carbon rolling stock. And they've conveniently said battery, electric or hydrogen. But I think their implication is that people need to be following the same flow diagram as they have. And for a lot of new railways, that's going to mean you need to do wires. There we go. As you can see, there are wires. Uh, have I busted the record yet? Uh, not yet. Three or four seconds. I'm going to do it, aren't I? Wires. Anyway, it's going to be underneath two hours, damn it. Other solutions. Um, battery and hydrogen train operations should start whenever this is, wherever this is possible. So basically saying now. Um, there we are. Battery and hydrogen operation should start now to ensure that standards are developed, whole system operational experience is gained, and lessons are learned. Basically, to allow the supply chain to know what the hell it's doing. Oh, I've just realized what I'm doing. Oh, you didn't see my scribbling. Oh, folks. Should have been shouting at me. Uh, here we go. Let's go, small face. Uh, there we go. I'll just go back so you can see my scribbles. There we are. 15,400 SDKs uh, unelectrified. Uh, it just looks scribbly now. I was drawing to, for emphasis, but you missed it all. You can see how tired I am. Ah, oh, there we go. Uh, there you are. So there's there's a nice diagram. Uh, I'll tell you what. Let's let's just let's just make this nice and clean. Uh, can I? I was erase all ink on slide. There we go. Um, marvelous. Uh, let's do pen. There we go. There we are. That's nice. Uh, perfect. So wires. And uh, there we go. And uh, battery. And what other lessons? From now on, diesel-only trains should only be bought where there are clear economic and uh, strategic and economic reasons. They're saying no more diesel is essentially what they're saying here. No more diesel. Uh, diesel bad. Projects and programs which increase capacity for passengers and or freight should continue in order to support a modal shift to rail. It's so important that they're talking about the modal shift to rail. This is so important. I'm really glad that the, the report really emphasizes it. Um, so they're talking about HS2 here, by the way, amongst other things. Uh, should continue in order to support mobile shift to rail. Uh, so essentially, the, the, this is almost an acute reference to HS2, amongst other things. It's saying this doesn't mean that HS2 should stop. This means continue with these things, um, blah, blah, blah. This is especially true for freight projects because of the significant modal shift they deliver. You know, one freight train taking, you know, 100 lorries off the road in some cases. Um, and this is the, the last point. A stable and efficient program traction decarbonization is the most efficient way for us to deliver this work. They're saying this is, this is the rolling program point. So we've got... Um, all new railways should be wired. Start battery and, hybrid, uh, and hydrogen operations now. No more diesel trains. Keep expanding and growing the network. 
and rolling probe electrification. These are our conclusions here, the important conclusions. Right, and then these are the kind of, for anyone who's interested in the secondary benefits of electrification, here you are, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11 secondary benefits. Journey time benefits, performance benefits, carbon reduction benefits, road decongestion benefits, capital and renewal cost benefits, uh, infrastructure maintenance benefits, um, uh, although in here they're kind of saying these are things you need to think about as a, as a potential downside, but you know, actually there are overall maintenance cost benefits. Disruption during construction, disc benefits, yep, that's a thing you have to think about. Uh, train maintenance costs, that's a, say, that's a benefit. Train fuel costs, obviously it's a benefit. Leasing costs a benefit. And then the maintenance costs change due to lighter trains running. Lots of good stuff. So um, the, the report talks a bit about costs, but frankly, costs are not important. Capital costs are not important. So all I can say is we need to move into the realms of not thinking about costs and actually think about just fucking doing it. Um, frankly, get on with bloody wiring the network. Bloody well wire the network. There we go. That's the. It's a, it's a nice, easy solution, isn't it? You know, it's just, it's nice and straightforward. Let's let's bring Big Face back. Um, <laughs> oh, what time is it? One hour fifty six. We're going to keep it under two hours. I'm going to go back through the chat. Oh goodness, you've all trolled me with lots of hellos and congratulations. Is people enjoyed that? Thanks. People enjoyed this. Best rail matter, you're mad. Two hours, it's not possible it's the best one. Um, we got there, very little consideration of grid requirements from Gordon. Yeah, very good point. Um, Gordon, uh, Jilks is a specialist in, um, well, one of the things he ke keeps busy with is actually putting the power into the railway network. It's all very well electrifying it, but if there ain't any electricity to go into the trains, the wires are useless. So um, it's something that needs to be thought about very much. Um, oh, crikey. Uh, let's see. Useful and interesting. Oh, good. I'm glad. I'm glad people are thinking that. Um, what reports are I thinking of? We'll, we'll do the go into the Patreon chat and we'll talk about what other th reports I thought about going through. But frankly, you can make your suggestions if there are some. For example, the People's Assembly, Climate Change Assembly one, I think we should go through. I think that'll be interesting. Um, do, 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 do. Very useful. Lovely, lovely, lovely. Uh, not sure how much it will. Yeah, it was very fast. This is a video that you can go back and maybe flick through. And, it, and maybe it's best to have the report open in front of you and you read it. And then maybe if there's something you're not quite following, we'll, um, we can kind of go back and, um, yeah, go back and, and think about it. People are asking if I took the Hyperloop QI siren videos down. No, I didn't. I, I, I just made them private videos because, uh, oh no, maybe I did delete them. Because actually I think it'd be easier to just use them on Twitter and, and, uh, and I, can, I can give you a link to download them if you want to use them at people as well. But I think uh, just you, know, you can use the Twitter video. Oh, let's have a look. So what else? Uh, oh, there's quite a lot of questions here coming out of the back. Uh, just, just do it. Let's just uh, hashtag electrify all the lines. Gareth Ennis, what will all the this electro faction have on the grid load? Yeah, absolutely. So electro traction have an impact on the grid. Yeah, that's that's a good... Actually, uh, Gordon, it'd be good to have you on at a rail natter. Uh, it'd be an absolute pleasure to have you on. Um, so do come and join uh, for that. I'd be I'd be up for that to talk about these because it's so important. Yeah, this is a system and, and people... All, it's all too easy to forget about um, the fact that there's a lot to think about here. There's a lot of other things we have to do and achieve. Um, do, 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 do. Let's have a look. Uh, good, lots of positive stuff. That's very nice of you all to say. Uh, oh. What would the logo look like for a British rail nuclear power plant? Yep, that obviously is something I have to do. Uh, yep, lovely. Da, da, da. Think. Do I, th do I think that OLE is visually ugly? I never think that OLE is visually ugly. I, I, I just see it as a modern railway. 
there, there are some people who get really upset about the prettiness of Ole, and to those people, I say Foxtrot Oscar. Um, this is a railway. It needs to run as a railway. There are certain instances where we do things aesthetically to make sure that the matches, for example, having the Ole match with bridge piers and all these sorts of things we do. But the people who moan about Ole uh, ugliness, uh, I just go away. Uh, I don't, and if there are people in the chat who think that I, I don't, I'm not angry at you. I just like it's a modern railway system. If, if you've got electrification over, it, it's a modern railway system. There's a beauty in that. You know, there's a beauty in a railway. You're seeing it. it's like ah, a railway that's doing the thing that modern railways should do. Um, right. Da, 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 da. The videos are on Discord. It's very true. Oh, right, Gordon. Yeah. Well. We, yeah, you don't have to appear if you don't want to, but we're, you know, we'll, we'll work on you there. Anyway, right, let's get my tiny face up because I'm exhausted. Oh, this is going to be horrible for the people listening to it as a podcast on the train uh, or wherever they happen to be listening to it, but it is available in podcast places. Uh, you know, there's the Apple one, the Google podcast one, Spotify, the, the, the blocky one, and then another one, which I can't remember the name of either. Uh, so there are multiple, there are two podcast platforms that I can't remember the name of. But one of them is orange and very nice. Apparently, it's very good. Um, so I'd recommend going in and, uh, yeah, if you want to listen to it. I mean, don't listen to it if you've been sat here watching this thing live. For goodness sake, glutton for punishment. Um, Patreon, yes. On Patreon, you can choose future episodes, themes, and guests. Uh, you can, uh, there are exclusive sneak peeks, bits of content. Um, I will ask you inane questions about whether you think things are good ideas or you know what 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 bits and pieces you want what whether whether I should change things. Um, so that that's Patreon patreoncom Dennis. Um, the Discord is a thing GarethDennis.co.uk/discord. Do go and join the Discord. Uh, you don't have to be a patron for that, but if you're a patron, you get extra benefits. Um, you know, I share stuff through there. And then if you don't want to do any of that, but you do want to support me to kind of do more of this stuff, which you're bonkers if you do. There's still 80 of you watching. Uh, big love to all of you. Um, PayPal, paypal.me slash Gareth Dennis, and you can sort of chuck me a bit of loose change. That would be very much appreciated. But Patreon's probably the best. You don't have to give me much at all. You know, you can give me, I think the lowest in there is one euro a, a month. So, uh, yeah, you don't have to spend much at all on there. I, I don't ask much. And no matter how much you give me, the benefits are all the same. I'm a socialist. Get, you know, I, I think, um, you know, uh, take what you need, give what you can. Is that right? Something like that. Anyway. Uh, right. I've broken two hours. Dang it. Oh, never mind. Rail Ladder, episode 28, Quails on Rails. Dr. David Turner is joining us. I'm very excited to have uh, David, my very good friend, joining us. We'll, we shall drink beer and be merry. He's going to talk about quails on rails, which sounds mental, but it, I, I'm so excited about this one because it's just a good analogy for wider supply chains. But it's also some history. Uh, history is a fun thing to talk about. Uh, and David is brilliant and good fun to join as well. You know, he's uh, very astute and very knowing and very, very an asset to railway history, frankly. Oh, uh, does this mean I have to go big face again? It does, doesn't it? Because everyone, thanks so much for that. I'm not going to waffle on. You've, I've broken tw two hours. This is the longest ever rail matter. Somehow you didn't hate it. You spammed enough questions to push it over the limit. You did. That's right, Lewis. Um, you've all been brilliant. I'm going to collapse now. I'm going to drink some water and have some food. <laughs> oh, we don't have any food in the house. I might end up eating sponge fingers until uh, until I faint. Uh, yes. Uh, Ciao, ciao for now. Uh, it's been a pleasure. I will see you all next time. Uh, cheerio. <laughs> I'm so tired. Cheerio.